Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport, 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. So welcome to the Rogue Report podcast. Hosting today's podcast is myself, Graham Falk, and alongside me is the ever-faithful and the rather wonderful Chris Cam. You all right, Chris? Hello, hello. Um, as we know, Sunday's game at Wembley means next season we will be remaining in League One. Um, it has been one hell of a season full of highs, lows, uh, 60 games, 82 goals, two trips to Wembley, but ultimately the season has ended in failure, and understandably we as fans, we've got many opinions and many questions on why that is. To dissect the season, summarise the progress, discuss the future of Sunland as uh, Sunland Chairman Stuart Donald. How are you doing, Stuart? You all right? Well, I've been better, but yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up for the fight, so yeah, I'm all right. We've also got Charlie with us. How are you doing, Charlie? You well? Very similar, yeah. It's, it's, it's not been an easy couple of days for, any, for anyone involved with the club, but, you know, got to keep moving, got to got to keep moving forward, and that's what, that's what we need to do now. So, I think we'll start straight off, Stuart, um, with Sunday. Um, I'm going to be totally blunt with you. The team didn't show up, and I think whilst we've praised the players and the managers' resilience this season, I think we absolutely bottled it on Sunday when it mattered the most. How was Wembley for you? Uh, well, it's the worst place in football to lose, isn't it? So, um, and we've gone there twice, um, and for whatever reason, um, we haven't come away with a win either time. Um, the first time we go, I think. You know, it's a bit of a a weekend out, isn't it? And and you're not too concerned about losing, although it's not a great place to lose. But losing at the at the weekend was 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 gutting um, because I think we felt after the the Portsmouth game, whilst our form had been great in the last few games, we showed some some character to get through a very tough semi final, um, especially off the back of not having. You know, had some good results. We show some character to get to the final, and then it's one game, and I think everyone would would feel the same that if the team turns up and does its very best, we'll have a cracking chance. And um, you know, we, we've got as good a chance as anybody to get through with the squad we've got. And um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the bottom line is we played a game and they scored our goal for us. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you look back at the game, there weren't many chances that you look back and go, oh, you know, we should have scored here, we should have scored there. So when the season boils down to 90 minutes, at worst you want to come away probably feeling that, you know, um, if you have lost, you've hit the bar twice, missed a penalty. I um, had them under the cosh for 40 minutes and it, and it, I don't think it felt like that for any of us, of course. So, um, the the overriding feeling, really, um, as well as being gutted and sorry that we haven't achieved for everybody, you, you, you're also embarrassed because mm. um, it's the worst ever <coughs> league position yeah. the Sunderland have finished in. Um, if you get promoted, you can live with that. Um, but, you know, um, the facts of the matter is I'm a chairman of Sunderland Football Club in their worst ever league finish. And I've worked ever so hard for that not to be the case. But ultimately, oh, I haven't achieved that and I failed. And um, I, I'm residing over the, you know, the, the fact the team hasn't gone up and has, has finished as low as it ever has. And there might be lots of things you can point to that, that you might cut yourself some slack with. But the long and short of it is, in black and white of it is, that's the facts. And yeah. um, that is gutting. Um, it's um, embarrassing and um, it's frustrating. So uh, I stayed out at the final whistle to watch Charlton celebrate from almost start to finish. Same. And I stood out there on my own um, to try and really make sure I hit home to myself just how bad that felt so that I could use that to um, to ensure that's not a feeling I have again because... Uh, uh, you know, I looked down at the Sunderland fans, and lots of them were in tears. And um, that 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 was that was tough to take. And um, ultimately, as the owner of the football club, uh, the buck stops for me. So uh, yeah, it was a uh, it was a tough day. So how much do you hold yourself responsible for that? Is it do you really see it as it is all on yourself, or uh, well, yeah, well, is there different people that you can look at and think, I wish you'd done harder? Or? Uh, well, I think the first thing you you got to do is you got to analyse your own performance, haven't you? I got to turn around and and and. And have a look at what I've done through the year, how I've done it, what I could have done differently, what I think in hindsight I should have done differently, why I didn't do it that way. Um, I've got to be realistic about what I came into. But, you know, um, I am the custodian of the football club and I run it. And we haven't delivered. So no one's more responsible for that than I am. So, um, yeah, the... the I haven't quite finished yet, um, and I and I can't uh, wallow in it for for days because we got to get on making sure we got, you know, next season right and prepared. And obviously, we were doing that behind the scenes, regardless of which league we were in. So we are underway with that. But, um, you know, I, I've really got to look at my own performance first. I think when you're looking at, I think it's quite noble that you know, as you say, you want to look at your own performance as well and I, I understand what you're saying with you know you're the custodian of the club but there's a lot of fingers have, have not really been pointed directly at you and if I'm honest I, I don't think there's much more you could have done but if you look at the, the, the thing that got me with the players on Sunday and I mentioned it before they bottled it and it's not a bunch of young lads we have on that team we have some really experienced players where does the blame lie for that performance on Sunday does it go with Jack Ross and the way you set that team up or the players just not showing up um, well I think Probably the the right thing to do is is debrief with Jack and 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 the players on how they felt 
they performed. I think, you, you know, I, I sit and watch the game like all fans do and I see myself in that sense more as a fan who sort of evaluates the game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, um, we didn't play as well as we needed to to win the game. Um, but, you know, were, were the right decisions made through the season, um, you know, on that team? Where, where did we go wrong? Should we have actually needed to be at Wembley? Oh, you know, at the start of the season, we... We set ourselves a target of the playoffs, and and we achieved that. I think you know if you if you're looking at, at Jack, you 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 can, you know, you could look at Jack a couple of ways. If I, if I was Jack Ross, what would I say about my performance through the season, and and if you like where we were, the, the club finished bottom of the league above. Every player that really was shown serious interest in has left us. I don't think any of those players have gone on and done particularly well. No. And the ones that we were left with, Jack could turn around and say, well, I was left with the ones that nobody wanted from a team that won one game in a calendar year. And yes, OK, we've been relegated, but they've now lost one game in a calendar year at home. Um, and they picked up less points in five years than any other team, I think, in the 92 divisions, despite picking up 80-odd points this season. So I've come in last minute, I think Jack could say, Um that's what I've inherited. Um, yes, I'm sure we can point to games where we can argue we we, we might have been too defensive. We we might have played the wrong formation. We might have done this. You know, no one has not made mistakes. You know, I've made mistakes. I'm sure Jack would turn around and say he's made mistakes. I'm sure that the, the players will. The question is, have we made too many? Are we making the same ones continually? Are we learning from uh, where we're going wrong? Are we realistic about really where we were? Um, and then you, you put all that in the mix and say, OK, well, the most important thing now is we, we've actually got to dissect all of that and turn around and say, what are we going to do to make sure that we get or aim for 100 points next year because yeah. we know 100 points is going to get us up and we've got to be as sure as damn that we can be that we're going to get 100 points. So we've got to turn, I don't know, six of these draws we've had into wins or whatever it is and uh, you know we, we've got to sit down and analyse where we've gone wrong and see whether or not we judge and we make the right judgments as to where we've gone wrong and why we have and how we're going to fix it and they're the conversations we need to have because we can't undo what's been done and I don't think any of us are if you like in that sense if we're playing a blame game completely blame free um, but as a group you know I've appointed the manager the managers pick the players um, and it comes right back up to me. Um, and I've got to, you know, um, t turn around and talk to talk to them and get a sense of where they feel they're at and what they might feel that we've done wrong and where they might have gone wrong and say, OK, well, if we do this and do that, do we think on balance we're going to get there? Because the most important thing is next season we get there. And... <sighs> For me, it feels shocking um, as well because it just feels that it would have been the end to a what what was a I, I think off the field a, a, a decent twelve months and the icing on the cake would have been promotion. But we probably may have left ourselves with an awful lot to do with this squad to get it championship ready. So it might be like lots of teams that going up might have papered over a few cracks because you think well maybe we're a bit better than we are. So not going up although it feels gutting now as long as we learn from what we've done wrong 
and we improve, we might go up a bit stronger. But that is, you know, um, you know, none of these cliches, well, we've got to do better next year, well, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to do the other. We've got some hard work to do mm-hmm. to get the football club right. We'll try. Um, we're not a million miles. You know, it's not like we've got to go from 50 points to 100. We've got to go from about 85 to, to 100. Um, we've got to turn half a dozen games into wins. Um and I think you know we we want as an attractive brand of football as as we can get. We want we want the fans to enjoy all the games. So, you know, we've got some improvement to make. Um, and, you know, we're, we're we're aware of that. You know, we watch we watch we all watch the same game. Yeah. Um, I I don't think, I don't think we're all a million miles different in our view of. Um, Sunday's game mm-hmm. or the reading of the season we started stronger probably than we thought we would yeah. um, you know we, we talk about not killing teams off well we did do that at the start of the season I remember coming to the stadium a light and you know we, we were we were 3-0 up half time a couple of times at X, Y, Z you know yeah. but over the season it's become harder and harder we can see how many draws we've got we can see how many leads we've not held on to it's all there for us all to see um, so I don't think you know, I think if you if you asked the Sunderland fans and did a poll, we, we'd all have a consensus. I think pretty much of of roughly what we think is wrong, um, and, and we've got to fix it. But it isn't football manager. It isn't. You know, I've had fans you know listing players for me saying, "Well, if we sell this lad for this, we can buy all these players and do this that, and the other." It, it's not as simple as that. Um, you know, and yes, of course we've had the biggest budget, and yes, of course if you look at it. Um, you know, we spent more money than everybody else, and X, Y, and Z. We have, but we did finish bottom, as I said, and I, I, I will repeat: the, the players that left this club have, have, by and large, not gone on to, to to prove that they were they were better than us. And indeed, a number of them have received relegations again. We've stemmed the flow, turned one home win in a year to one defeat in a year. Um, we finished in the the top five. We finished the season poorly, which is gutting and it feels awful. Um, but we have stemmed the rot, and you know um, uh, now we've got to build on eighty five points and get another fifteen. I don't think that's beyond us. Question at both of you, I suppose, and straightforward question. Um, we've talked about there is things we've done wrong. I think you're right in what we say. I think yourself the fans and I, I don't know about Jack um, but I think we all know where it went wrong and I think for me it was it was the draws the failure kill of teams and I think January was a bit of a failure as well but what would you do what would you both do differently if you could go, I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing and we can't go back but if you could um, I, I think if there was a single thing I could have done um, I, I I would on a footballing side I personally, without having talked to any of of anybody else about it, it's just a personal view. With what we've spent um, and how our, if you like, our January went, um, although it was was way above where we were, I would have uh, tried. Um, I don't know whether sooner or harder, whatever it was, to keep Josh because I think he, um, in hindsight, maybe he fitted into our style of play. Um, 
well you know at, at the time I remember if, if you like the, the the conversations about you know Charlie coming back to fitness and if we can get a new new player this and the other and of course you know Will if Will Grigg comes on with 20 minutes to go Wembley and scores a winning goal you know I'm saying to everybody thanks very much away <laughs> you go and football can be defined like that um, but but we you know we, we brought in five or six players that won this league um, so you know when we were talking about recruitment you know we, we tried to bring in lads that have played big parts in teams that have won this league and I think historically that normally works for you it's not quite worked um, now but um, uh, I'm not sure I could have done anything to keep Josh if I'm honest with the way the whole thing developed behind the scenes but um, it's one of those you'll never know and that's the big thing with football and the big thing for Jack everybody can turn around and say and we've had it through the season play two up front three games after playing two up front people are going to play one up front again everybody can turn around and say well if we'd have played this team, we'd have won. And no one can ever, ever argue that that's wrong because you only deal with the game you actually see. If we pushed up more, if we'd have played a wing back here, if we'd have done this there. And of course, we're all football managers in the modern age to a degree and none of us can be proven wrong. Um, but that is something I don't know if it would have made a difference or not. But um, of course, you'll always wonder, won't you? Do you think yeah. you might have kept Madger even if it meant losing him for nothing? Like tomorrow, if you, if you um, did stay. Well, yeah, um, but we were willing to do that mm. at the time. The issue was, you know, and fair enough, the, the boy wants to go and play football, and he wants to go and play football at where he's going to go. Not, he doesn't want to stay and, and and finish off. He wants to, he wants to go and be committed. And I'm not sure whether or not that would have changed the way he played anyway. The argument is no. But if you know you're not staying at a club, um, do you play the same way? Uh, I don't know. Um, the the key would have been to try and keep him, um, if you like, permanently. It, it was, you know, we we didn't do well on the Josh Major deal. It was it was never financial um, to let him go. We 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 tried as hard as we could to to keep him, um, and um, you know, uh, we we when we couldn't keep him, we then committed a, a you know a decent amount of money to try and uh, adequately replace him. Um, so I, I don't know but you, you know I've sat there and had very little sleep over the last couple of days playing through every scenario at the football club from the moment I walked in wondering whether or not you know I should have got you know a, a couple of the lads out sooner and did I keep them around the building you know when when you're going through the, the things with Njong and Jilabodji but, but ultimately I've, I've done what I've done um, and we are we are where we are. I can't undo it. Um, you know, Jack's come in. He's their new relationships. Um, I'm learning the football club. He's learning the football club. We're learning to to work together. It, sometimes it doesn't just all get thrown in together and work instantly, especially off the back of what, if you like, was here. Um, so perhaps you know, with a little bit more stability this 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 summer or. Um, a more settled squad or whatever um, we've got a stronger base to work from um, but you know I, I'm going through all those things analysing my mind where I could have made different decisions and why I didn't so that in the future when these scenarios come up I, I'm confident that I'm making the right choices and I think by and large I, I've made some some 
some decent choices, but if you don't go up, it's 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 yeah. that that that's the ultimate test, isn't it? And we haven't gone up. One question I think probably a lot of people want to ask. Um, I think is yeah, you, you're not daft. You're on Twitter. You see some of the comments that come at you about Jack Ross, and some people really don't believe in Jack Ross. Yeah, I'm I'm not of that opinion to be honest. Yeah, um, but I think a good portion of the fan base that don't think he's the right man so yeah. straightforward question What what's the future in your mind for Jack Ross I think he's the right man yeah um, why why um, because I think um, he is um, got a lot of, of things there behind the scenes that nobody sees um, and I and I do think um, in modern football it's very easy to chop and change and not take into account certain circumstances which which um if you like aren't you know people aren't aware of and i i would i would take the condition of the club that he came to all the things that we had to do and that he had to deal with um and a hugely different dynamic changing room um, you the know the thing and, i would say on that and I, I don't mean to cut you off but it's with um you could say the same about lee boyer why, so why did he succeed and why did Jack Ross not? And can uh, you understand people being frustrated with Jack Ross? I, I, I can understand that. Seemingly not learning from the mistakes of like sitting back. I can understand that, but Lee Bowyer and Jack, Jack Ross both got their teams to the playoff final. Mm-hmm. And yes, um, I suppose you could argue his team scored three goals and we scored none or two. <laughs> or one, but, but, but the reality of it is it, it's, it's fine margins. Yeah. Um, Lee Bowyer's team only beat ours once. We beat his once. Um, his his win was more important than ours, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's and it's fine lines now. You know, when you're sat at the football club, what what would changing it all right now mean? Quite a lot of turmoil again. Um, uh, and I think, you know, Jack hasn't come in, and yeah, Lebo, you may well have had an unsettled club. I don't think it was as unsettled as. Sunderland. I don't think he will have had as much to contend with as Jack. I don't think any club is as unsettled. Um, <laughs> well, we've got to change. We, we've, we've, we've got to change that. Um, but but my gut instinct is, you know, having having a look at him, having a look at how he he deals with things, um, and how, um, if you like, we, we've progressed in certain areas. I, I think on balance, the judgment is: will he get us another fifteen points next season? Um, walking into a more settled environment than than he had last year, and my judgment call on that would be yes, he would. Um, if we replaced him, for argument's sake, it would be a gamble. Um, it was always a two-year project with a hopeful um, this year, and I think one can't lose sight of that. Um, and um, you know, you also get a vibe from the players. You know, I, I think a lot of people would turn around and say Aidan McGee is probably. You know, somebody we need to keep hold of. Um, uh, if you can, please. If we can. Um, and the biggest thing that will keep Aidan McGee at the club is Jack Ross. Um, and you don't take, you know, any any individual player more more than another. But you do get confidence from the people you know of football or the people at the club, who um, who turn around and will say to you, "Look, we've been in the game a long time. Don't overreact." You get in there. These are the signs for this. These are signs for that. And I accept that um, you know people will see things differently. Some will say change. Some will say keep. 
Um, but I think on balance, um, Jack's done um, uh, a decent first year, and I'm as confident as I can be that um, with the right backing um, and with the right work through the summer, um, I would like to have a team that really sort of um, gives us a more comfortable season mm-hmm. next year in in our aims, and I think Jack can deliver that because if we'd have if we'd have won Sunday, great that it would be to go up. I mean, it wasn't a season where you know you, you were looking at it and you're you're eight points clear of everybody all season and really enjoying going into to every game from an owner's perspective. It was an, it's a you know, every week it was a slog. But were we going to get in that top two? Aren't we? Aren't we? It's less enjoyable, and I think just occasionally you can you can get a team and you can get a season where for the whole season it, it feels really good. And I think um, Jack could build that for us. So will I change it? No. Um, uh, I'm sure you know that there will be some people that are pleased about that and some people that aren't. Um, the football clubs had a lot of change of managers, um, and hasn't particularly worked and you know modern football is all for changing managers very quickly but mm. I think if you want to build something long term um, then you, you've got to you've got to have that right and you know we probably haven't quite got enough structure Jack's talked about this before and, and we need you know a, a real overhaul we haven't we haven't done that that quickly because when we came in it was all about you know um, dealing with what we had so over the period of time and over the summer, if we get the right structures in and, and, and operate completely how Jack wants, I think we'll see a benefit from that as well. So um, I, I, I would, I think he's done all right and I, and I would cut him a bit more slack than, than I suppose those fans that say, um, you know, he, he hasn't got it and we're not going to do it. I, I, I don't want to be at Sunderland with Sunderland not getting promoted I want promotion as badly as anybody yeah. I, I am as gutted as anybody is um, even fans that have been going for 40-50 years and they've gone through all I appreciate all of that but I have invested albeit not 40 or 50 years but I feel like I've invested about 5 years of my life in it already with the amount of hours I've done and um, you know I, I'm, as, I'm as keen and determined as anybody to get the club up where it belongs and um, I, I wouldn't keep a manager that I didn't think could achieve it but I think Jack can do it If you're not replacing the manager then what is the first order of business for you this summer? What's the I think, um, coming to work what's been I, I, think, I think the first thing to do is to uh, have a clear eyed view on what, you, on what you need to do to improve um, in every situation that I've been involved in professionally where success has been achieved ultimately the people who've achieved it are winners winners hate excuses Winners don't use excuses, um, so I'm going to be interested as, as an onlooker in, in in this area because we've done our reviews on the off the um, off the pitch stuff already um, because we didn't have to wait on on all that kind of stuff. We've already beaten ourselves up off the pitch in terms of what we got right, what we got wrong, all that type of stuff. On the on the pitch side, I'm more of a viewer, and I'm going to be interested to see what the view is in terms of how we're going to change things going forward and if the answer is it's a bunch of excuses then I'll roll my eyes and think this is, this ain't going to work if on the other hand it's a, it's a bunch of positive focused this is where I got it wrong this is what we can this is what we are going to do better this is how we can make it everything as Stu says you, you've got to 
got to think about it being a 100-point season next year. There's no point in thinking, well, let's try and squeak 90 points again because you're running the risk of a bounce of a ball or a couple of injured players derailing you. You've got to think in terms of this season was a learning experience and we're going to learn from it. But going into next season, ultimately, even if a few of the financial bits and bobs, which Stu will talk about later on, go our way and our wage bill does come down a bit, we will still be spending more than twice as much as any other club in the division. Now, if you look at all the other divisions and think about the clubs who spend twice as much as everybody else, Mm. they would absolutely expect to win that division with 100 points. Man City don't spend twice as much as Liverpool. Man City don't spend twice as much as even clubs that finish 7th or 8th and they get 100 points. So we've got to be clear. There's no point, as Stu said earlier on, sitting here and saying that what's just happened just now is acceptable. It's not acceptable to us it's not acceptable to the fans. So, moving forward, that's our aim, and everything has to be built towards achieving that aim. Um, I think that there has been some progress that we will discuss, which isn't always as visible. Mm. When you're building a building, you want to build that building off foundations of stone, not on sand. Um, And when we came in last year, there was a crumbling building based on sand. So some of the things that have to get done and some of the changes that have to be made, including some of the things that Jack has had to do at the academy, are about trying to make sure that there is a foundation in place to actually be positive and achieve positive things in a a long-lasting sort of way. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's no point in us claiming that that exercise can now go on for another year. Now's the moment where that has to be a springboard for actually changing things, improving things and moving forward. As Stuart says, I mean, there's no point in us sitting here pretending black is white. We watch the same football matches that you watch. Um... I've I've never been around a club with as many people actually who I think know as much about football as, as Sunderland fans do. An awful lot of Sunderland fans play football and have played it to a good level. So there's no point in, in pretending that all of us can see quite clearly that when we go a goal up, the team sits back. There's there's no point in pretending black is white. That is the case. Now, the question is not looking back on it. The question is saying, well, how's that going to become a team that when they score one, go and score two, go and score three? I was speaking to Niall Quinn the other day and Niall said that their 105-point team regarded a 1-0 win as being akin to a loss mm. because they'd given the other team a chance. And if they were going to get promoted automatically, properly, they didn't want to give the other team a chance. So unless they were winning 3-4-0, they didn't come back in the dressing room and clap themselves on the back. They were like, God, guys, we've got to be better than that. Otherwise, at some point, a team's going to draw against us. That's the mentality. That's a winning mentality. Yeah. That's where you need to get to. That's where the 105-point season gets to. So I think, you know, it's, it's, we're two days on. Stuart will have conversations with the manager, as is absolutely right for the owner to have conversations with his manager. That is a very important relationship. Um, and Stuart and the rest of the board will then discuss the manager's plans. Um, and, you know, as, as, a, as a board director, I'm hoping that there'll be positive plans um, based around how we are going to achieve what we and Sunderland fans want to see. Um, until, we've, until those conversations have been had, then obviously you, you don't know what you're dealing with. Um, but you know, I said, given the foundation that's there, given the budgets that we are spending in this division, um, given the academy that we have, um, we're all very, very clear and focused that what has to happen next has to be pretty positive. Yeah, us sitting back on one nils, as you touched on before. Um, I know we'll kind of cover Jack Ross and, and your thoughts on Jack Ross. A lot of people say that's Jack Ross's tactics. I personally think it's the players' mentality. If I'm honest with you, I think there's a bit of a lack of belief there. Um, what, what's your thoughts on it? Um, maybe. 
Um, uh, I, I, I don't. I don't think. My, my gut instinct. My, my gut instinct is I don't. I don't think we <laughs> we play for that. It it, it occurs. Um, you you can you can see that to a degree in in lots of the games. Um, it's it's crept into us. Whether that's um, a nervousness um, or, or or a worry, um, not not meaning to. Sometimes you can uh, the players may sense from the crowd that 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 worry at being one nil up and 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 they 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 get themselves um, into that mindset. But you know we we've dropped an awful lot of points from winning positions. And and you know if we hadn't done that. We'd have gone up, um, you know that that that's that's just that's a simple fact, and um, you know we we have got to I think try and and as Charlie says get a mentality whereby we're going on and and, and driving forward because those games are m- much more enjoyable to watch as well yeah. as a as a, yeah. as a fan and as an owner. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you, you don't want to watch a game. Um, and be nervous for sixty minutes because you think, well, we scored for th- on minute thirty, and um, you know now it's you know c- can we grab another goal if it it suits or whatever you want to you want to see your team drive forward. Do you think that plays um, maybe a bit stronger though? Like I mean, because I understand I I, I think personally, Sunderland fans really game really well. Like come back from Wembley, my friend Liam, mm-hmm. he was taught me. He says, you know what it is. Sometimes I know we'll talk about atmosphere and things like that. He's like. Sometimes I think Sunderland fans really game really well when we can see we're really going for it and trying to get back mm. into it. We're, we roll like no one else, but when we feel that nervousness, and sometimes for me, I just think there's times this season when Baldwin, um, Flanagan, uh, Jimmy Dunn, to a point, we're just launching it aimlessly. Like, do they not have to be stronger than that? They're playing for Sunderland. Well, I, I think you've got to have strong footballers if you if if you want if you want to play for Sunderland, you've got to be able to deal with it. And if you look at the the playoff final when when we got the goal for 10 minutes the noise was huge and and, and the players went for it for 10 minutes and and Ledbetter had that shot they got tipped around the post and um that was probably our our best chance albeit he's had to fashion that from outside the box so you don't really yeah. you, you know it's not a guilt edge one is it but you you think to yourself in, in those couple of minutes right come on then boys come on you, you know we'll drive on and, and and the fans felt like that and then gradually the team um, uh, lost that momentum, um, and the fans dropped the noise off. Now, I, I don't know which one comes first, but probably the players dropping off, and then to to, to get it back, it, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? People talk about football a lot. You know, lots of people defend the one they'll lead, and then when they concede the goal, the team can't get going again. Mm. Um, because they've lost the momentum and then they concede mm. the second one and I think you know um, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll debrief with Jack on on all of this it's, it's, you know we discuss the games you know the, the, the end of the season and the playoff game is not going to be the only time that Jack and I have talked about players um, formations um, fan pressure um, structure um, signings, etc. We, 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 you know, we don't talk to each other once a year. We, we talk through it as we go. Um, but you know, we we now need to um, conclude what this season has been. Uh, look forward and move on. Um, we know what we want. We want a team that um, plays good football, that um, drives on. 
um, that we feel that we are um, pushing all game to kill the games mm. yeah. um, and, and, and not sitting back and, and some you know team that gets on the edge of the seat now for the size of the club the money that's spent um, the ability that we should be able to attract and have currently got that is a quite reasonable expectation for us to have we are not at this stage asking um, to go out and beat Man United at home and Liverpool away we, we are asking um, to have a team that does that now you, you don't go from where we were to that instantaneously and of course the question on that is is the progress um, reasonable do we see signs of that you know overall are there extenuating circumstances that would um, say, well, we are making progress? Now, my judgment call, having got more information, if you like, than um, than others, and uh, I think reading it the same as, as, as the fans, knowing what you want, because we all want the same thing, my judgment call is that we can get there um, with Jack. Um, and Jack will need to alter the squad I've no doubt um, to deliver that um, should we be able to do that this summer yeah um, this is season two um, and season two should deliver us those things um, I think that season two is as I alluded to earlier on and Stuart's mentioned it just now season two is the moment at which excuses run out um, you know for, for both Stuart referred to it as extenuating circumstances which is true and we all know what they are. Sunderland fans all know what they are. And actually, if we keep on going on about them, they, they they keep on extenuating, don't they? So there's just no point. I've heard it mentioned a few too many times this season about the impact the crowd has. Well, you know, come on. Basically, fundamentally, the Sunderland crowd is a good thing. And the more that you try and get into players' heads the idea that Sunderland crowd could be a, that can sometimes be a bad thing, the more it becomes a potential excuse. So let's... Let's move on from all, all the extenuating circumstances. We do all know what they are. And it, as many fans come up to me and say negative things, probably more say, to be fair, there was this, there was that, there was this, there was that, there was this, there was that. But we are now referring to things 13 months ago. Yeah. Um, mm. we'll, we'll come on to, I think we should probably move on from this discussion just because there's very little that really Stuart and the rest of the board should be saying mm. about this right now. It's, it, we should not, in a public forum, be, you know, analysing individual players' performances. And that, it's just not. It's not fair. It's not on. Um, I think what we should be looking at is maybe a quick review of the progress that's been made, and then a, a strong focus on the stuff that ha- that needs to happen next. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't think it's fruitful to keep on going on and on about. Well, you know what, um, what, what this player well, deal. Yeah, I, do. I don't think I don't think Jack or, or the management team or anybody is going to. Is going to make excuses. They're not excuses. They're they're reasons for why we are where we are. Um, and you, you know, the biggest, most important thing is the judgment call is um, is is Jack the right man for the job? My my view of that is yes, he is. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll discuss how we deliver what we all want next season, and we're clear on what we want. We want first place and a, and a really nice season, mm. and we want to do well in the checker trade again and win it mm. because we're, we we haven't got to worry about it because we're ten points clear when it comes around. Mm. Can we deliver that? We'll, we'll be working damn hard to do it, and we have a we have a football club that has the the, the fan base, as I've said, the finances, everything else to do, and, and the past is the past. I'm sure we'll touch on the finances, this, that, and the other, um, but. 
the bad finances have gone. Mm. The the bad players' attitudes, I would hope, are, have gone. And if and if they haven't all gone, they will have gone this summer. That's all done. This is this is a new fresh look. Where mm. I want to get away from this, fans being brilliant with me as we come out of Wembley and going, oh well, it's Sunderland. Sunderland do this yeah. to us. This is what happens. No, we've got to go. If we go to Wembley, we've got to go and go and win. That's got to be what we expect, and we got to go and win games, and it, and it isn't a oh you know Sunderland just do this to me. That's that's the way it is. I I, I don't want to, I don't want to be a responsible for a football club that makes its fans feels like that. I, I I want I want one where that they say yeah, you know the, these guys have come in and turned the mentality around, and we're actually delivering. Now I'd love to have done that inside of twelve months, but I haven't. But um, we're, we're, I I I don't think we're. I think we've improved. Have we improved as quickly as we should have done? Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, will we get there? Yeah, I think so. Talking about next season, then um, it, it's it's a big job. You'll know more than I will. But recruitment's where it's gonna that that's what's gonna make and break us. Yeah. At the end of the day, that that's the basic how a football team succeeds: their recruitment and and how they'll get the academy and stuff like that. So, yep. I really wanted to kick off with. Um, in terms of squad recruitment and the way the squad may look next season, I know we're very early doors, but yep. um, there's a few contracts running out. So, um, Elliot Embleton, where are we at with that? Um, he's been offered a contract. Um, has he taken it? No, he hasn't taken it. Um, my gut instinct is he will take it. Okay. Um, if he doesn't take it, it's because someone will have to come in and pay a a fee for him. Yeah. Because um, he's under 24. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and and um, I think with what we've offered him, um, I, I don't think anybody that would would come in and, and pay for him will offer him what what we are. So I'd be very surprised if he. Can I ask how long you've offered him? Uh, uh, I think it's two years with an extension. Okay. If, but he, don't, if he if he plays. But don't forget, for all players, I mean, there are some who are purely mercenary, but in fact, most aren't. Most are also interested in where do I fit in the manager's plans? You know, yeah. am I going to play, etc., etc. So it's not of just course. a matter of how much money people throw. Especially in. with Elliot, it's difficult for a player who's spent um, that all season on loan, unable to get into a team, thinking, "Well, where's my place?" And he's also in an under England and a seventeen team, under twenty team, and he's not getting into a, a League right. One team. He's not getting a look in. So you can kind of understand that maybe looking away, not because of money reasons or mercenary reasons, because maybe he thinks he have a better chance of being professional football elsewhere. I would assume any concerns he has are based on that. Um. Well, uh, I if 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 it was me, and it's easy for me to say, um, he's got a, a very good contract offer, and and he should he should think he's at Sunderland Football Club and try and force his way into the team. If he can't go and get into the team, that there is there is an option, of course, for him to go out on loan. Um, but I, but I would think you know he's getting to an age where he he wants to feel he's going to be in and around the place, haven't gone out and had a a, a decent loan spell. Um, but um, you know, w- when you're talking about the argument, is well, you know, ha- have we ultimately offered him enough money? Well, I-, I would say we've offered him more than enough money. Adam Matthews, uh, I think um, uh, we-, we haven't we haven't talked to um, you know Jack-, Jack will now talk to the players because mm. um, league league one or championship makes a difference, and I would yeah. think just just purely. Um, from the perspective of, of Jack not having had the conversation with Adam yet, um, a- a- Adam was on, you know, decent championship money, and um, I, w- I would be surprised if he would. We 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 would keep Adam and, and pay him, but he's got to fit within our structure, and I don't think that he that does. might not work for him. 
uh, Rhys James, I think, has a contract that Streetworks buyer. Yeah, there's a there's a one year option on that in Reese's favour. So that's that's for Reese to come back to us, and he hasn't as of yet. We haven't exercised that option, or he hasn't. And I think Robin Reuter is going to go. Robin Reuter will go. Yeah. Um, I I I'm sure you cleared this up, but just for the purpose of of why we're talking about contracts. Uh, George has already got an, an optional year, which I think is triggered anyway. Yes, triggered. Yeah, yes. so he'll be here next season. Um, and I know Benji has another year left. But, he um, does. With with Benji, where are we at with the contract? Uh, we have given him a contract offer. His agent um, is uh, coming back to us. Um, we're talking direct with Benji as well. I. <laughs> I would be amazed if he if he doesn't um, extend his contract with us. Um, yeah. It would be it's it's a it's a nice offer, good good offer, um, and um, you know I, I think with where he is, um, it, it just makes perfect sense for him to sign it. So I'd be very hopeful over the next period that he he would extend his contract with us. Without reading the manager's mind, but does, is he a player that strikes you that Ross seems to like? Oh, I think I think academy. Ross would like Benji to extend his contract. Well, well, we we wouldn't offer. I know I know. Uh, you know uh, the, the the view is that you know I signed Will Grigg for Jack. I didn't. Jack chooses all the players. You know Will Grigg was Jack's number one target. We don't offer contracts to people that the manager doesn't want. If if um if Jack didn't want Benji or see a future in him, then um uh you know we wouldn't have given him the offer that we've given him. Um Jack's um, if you like enthusiasm for for Benji has meant that he's got a quite nice increase um, and, and quite a lengthy deal and some good rewards if he plays. And I think Jack sees that he may well mm. have some potential. So um, you know, uh, Jack is guiding us along with with um, you know the other football people as to you know that the. the the desire to keep these players and that's why they got the offers they got I think that's been a concern this season that sometimes from some fans is does Jack Ross have enough of a handle is he assertive enough about what he wants um, obviously nobody knows it's all just sort of you know speculation but well does Jack Ross strike you as an assertive kind of guy it's I think he always counts but himself very he keeps his he keeps his counsel when he's in the media he never yeah. you know he'll never throw a player under the bus I, and I think I, that's I a good thing that. but what he, is he actually like to work with? Does he does he have his own demands? Is he? Is he's he... he's he's got a very clear focus, Jack. He's unbelievably hardworking. Wants to be successful. Knows his own mind, and um, uh, you know, uh, signs signs his own players. And um, uh, you know, Jack Jack um, Jack will be very respectful and listen to everybody's views. Um, but Jack Jack Ross will will decide what the one thing I would say with wants. with the the Will Greg situation and um, I, I'd actually I, I'm I'm skipping ahead of myself a bit here but whatever um, if if he's chosen Will Greg to and I might be sounding quite harsh here but I can't think of any other way to word it if Will Greg was his signing and he that's who he wanted how come he can't find a way to play a style that suits him um well. Uh, Will Grigg was the number one target that we had in January and that was Jack's target um, you know uh, I pushed the boat out beyond probably what we felt was a sensible pricing 
Um, so you, you know you, you can you can discuss how much we paid for him, but the actual de- the desire to sign Will was huge, and and I think that makes sense because um, yes, it, 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 at this stage, um, you know he hasn't quite got as many goals as we would like or played as many games, but the reality of it is, you know, if you want to prove a League One goal scorer. Um, who's available in the January transfer window? He, he was he was about the best that was on offer. Um, you know, once uh, you know we've then signed him, it's then down to Jack to, to 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 put him in the team as he sees fit or whatever it is. Now, I don't know. You know, there's an argument he's, he 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 did have a, a niggly injury when he claimed, but um, everyone keeps telling me he's injured. I don't. I don't not the feedback I've got that he's injured. I just don't um, think he fits into the system, and, and my concern with that is, yes, he wanted him, but like, why did he want him? Like, because since he's came, he just doesn't. Well, he, he doesn't fit into the team. Well, I would have thought he wanted him because he, if you, if you're going to go out there, and I think, you know, I, I remember being a villain at half past ten <laughs> on Monday night <laughs> <So do I. laughs> um, because because I hadn't backed my manager. And despite desperately trying to, to 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 bring in his number one target, I hadn't achieved it. And at eleven o'clock, when I had, um, everybody said that's it. We're we're promoted. So I think, you know, on the face of it, if you went back to January, and you gave the fans the option to sign Will Grigg or anybody, would we would how many people would have wanted him? It felt like ninety nine point nine percent wanted him. Oh yeah. Why did they want him? For probably all the same reasons that the manager wanted him. Everybody, well, say in the flat. Everybody's seen him play. Everybody can see what he can do. Everybody's seen his stats. He's not. He's not thirty six, is he? He, he? He's. He's in. A, he's at a good age. Um, he's available. Um, he scores goals. Um, and you know, from the from the, if you like the the board and ownership perspective, we've done that. And then, the, as you say, the, the the manager then fits him in the team. At the moment, that that hasn't quite worked. Um, Does that not have to be clever yeah. though? Do you not think? I mean, fair enough. So the statistics show he scores goals and stuff like that, and great. And as a fan, you see that. But as a, a recruiter and as the person who's purchasing him, as the head coach and as the manager, do you not look at players that fit into your style of football? So you don't have the Will Greg situation at the moment. Yeah, but um, um, I, I think the view was that he would fit into the style of football. Um, so who's to blame for that, Jack Ross? Or will Greg um, not being up to the standard? Well, is it is it a question of blaming, or is it just a question of saying it just hasn't he hasn't hit the ground running yet? I think there's reasons to um, say there's, there's maybe a level of blame there, though. I, I just, uh, Graham, we, you know, we've 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 got so many interesting questions where Stuart and I can add some value, and making micro man in the pub analysis of why this that player or that player is Jack getting the best out of him. As a board, we're not going to get into that kind of discussion. That's just not on. Um, we haven't even debriefed with Jack yet. Um, discussing individual employees' performance in, in public, that's just not on. It's not fair. Um, I, I just, there are so many difficult questions that you can ask us which really move the argument on and which I know fans want to know about. Really, Stu and my view about how Will fits into a certain system or other system I, I just don't see it I, I don't see this being fruitful but I have to I have to ask those questions though well I think but I think what I would do is I would ask the manager that um, did did the manager want the player yes um, how does he feel he's you know he's he's performed for us etc etc um, I think if you're as I say if you're asking me about individual players all I can say is Will's our number one target we yeah. as a board pushed the boat out to, to bring the lad in. 
Um, I felt that he paid us some back when he scored the first goal against Bristol Rovers and got us some checker trade money back in. So um, that, that was a bit of his feedback. Um, has he scored as many goals as we want? No, well, no. Has he played as many games as we want? No. Um, has he come in? Um, and do, do I think, again, hopefully he get there? Well, I, what, what I would say is I think everybody would have signed him at the time. Um, and hindsight is a wonderful thing. And hindsight is only, if you like, a few months into his career. If he goes on and gets 28 goals for us next year and Jack plays him and, 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 and it works, um, we'll be sat here this time next year going, what a signing. Um, but at the moment, it feels raw and we're looking at all the things that, I suppose, could have gone wrong, have gone wrong, this, that and the other. And as, as Charlie says, you know, we'll, we'll debrief with that as much as we can behind closed doors. But, I, I, um, you know, we'll, we'll all have a view on it. But... Um, you, you know, uh, will you be sitting up until the eleventh hour signing a player ever again, or is that just not an experience you want to go through? Um, well, I, I think I think when you look at January, I, I mean, I analysed that at the time. Um, I talked to a few clubs about the January transfer window, and lots of them don't do any business. Mm. You know, Brighton said we, we try not to do any business in the January transfer window. It's overinflated. It's not real. It's it's, it's this, that, and the other. And I and I looked at that and I thought, yeah, you know, if we'd have done more work in the summer we wouldn't necessarily be in a, a knee-jerk reaction situation and that's not something we want in the future. But then I cut myself some slack for thinking, oh, I couldn't have worked much more in the summer to deal with what I had yeah. to deal with. So mm. that probably always meant that the, the second transfer window was going to be a little bit like that. Um, but, you know, the second transfer window in comparison to where we finished the end of the season doesn't look a success because if you look at where our league position was versus then where we've ended up, and the players that we signed and how much game time they've had etc then that probably hasn't been um, value for money at this stage but we've still got time to um, to show the likes of Will Griggs a good signing for us etc Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions like months-long offers of low commission At BetDAG we wanted to change the way we did things so we set our commission at 2% permanently that's 2% on football horse racing golf almost any sport 2% that's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better for the better like you BetDAC the 2% commission exchange over 18s only please gamble responsibly you mentioned the, the busyness of the summer obviously you've, you've said you've had your breakdown you've had the off the pitch review and you've had a look at that mm-hmm. Run us through that. I mean, what was the what was the the notes in that? What went well? So, so are you talking about off the pitch throughout for this you season? guys? Yeah, I mean, financially, okay. you've you've so, got the, the club back to where it should be. So, I sense. think first of all, I just wanted to elaborate a bit. What Stuart said about last summer, and because he probably can't say it for himself, the job that um, Stuart and some others in the club did in sorting out some of the crap that we inherited last summer, at some point, it'll be the subject of a book. It was absolutely mm. unbelievable. Um, we were confronted with probably six, seven, eight scenarios, situations which, if they'd all gone wrong, um, would have been absolutely catastrophic for the club and for ourselves. And we had to negotiate and trade and work our way through all of those situations whilst at the same time having to do the normal things that football clubs do in terms of preparing for the new season, etc., etc. So I probably don't have to rehearse what those things were. Um, most Sunderland fans will be aware of the situations with players who didn't turn up and went on strike with players who when we came in we were told would be sat there for a long time sit, sitting on, on a very large salary not doing much in terms of legal disputes um, in terms of 
being told by the Football League that this is the, one of the clubs in the worst state we've ever seen. You're going to have to show us you've got £50 million in cash to run it because that's how much it's going to cost you. This place was a basket case and a lot of those situations had to be dealt with within the first three or four months. So I, I will cut um, us, particularly Stuart, quite a lot of slack because last summer a phenomenal job was done and that has laid the foundations, as he says, for the club now being in a far, far better situation to move forward. And we'll perhaps come on to the finances of the club a little bit later on. Mm. Off the pitch, um, in other words, the business side of the club, um, really the metrics for that are, are, are pretty easily measurable. Um, we inherited projected revenues of 15.5 million and we've achieved revenues of, of more than 19 million. Um, we inherited a projected cost base of 54 million and we're going to end up with um, 30, 34 million. So the, the costs have been cut very, very dramatically and the revenues have been increased very, very dramatically. And we set, we set out a business plan at the start of the year and we have met and in fact just exceeded that business plan. Now, that's partially the result of just good, some good decision making, um, a lot of hard work, a bit of luck, the support of the fans. Couldn't have done it without the support of the fans because those revenues ultimately, the majority then come yeah. from fans. So it's been a team effort, um, but it's it, it has been off the pitch a a pretty 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 good year I mean I don't think you can put it any, any which way round and that then feeds into obviously the discussion about the finances that we're probably yeah. about to have um, and as Stuart said if we could just have got that promotion then you look back on those first 12 months and said we've, yeah. we've nailed it we've absolutely nailed it we've managed to sort out all the black holes sort out the operating model sort out the underlying business and get promotion all at the same time wow that was fantastic so we've fallen short in one area and we really need to have a, a long hard look at that area as Stuart said to work out how to how to drive it forward but at least this time you'll be driving it forward without the chairman having to spend 95% of his time on the black holes because mm. that's the way it was last summer every single day there was another problem another legal battle another huge fight with agents but it was absolutely relentless um, and hopefully we're now in a more positive position where the where the time spent will be spent on positive things it was quite good fun doing that though. well it was when it went right <laughs> it was when it went right but there was some I remember being on the phone to you at like 2 in the morning oh would you not another one it's like playing those Super Mario games another one pops its head up and you have to bash it down again it was it, it was you know there'll be a book on that one day which will be you know um Entertain- oh, we, pr- we pretty much won them all to be fair yeah in the end we pretty much won them all and, and uh, you know there's no high-fiving about it because at the end of the day we haven't got promoted but I will say the club now is in a in a much 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 stronger position you mentioned a little bit about there are some areas where you you look at it and you think right this year we're going to make that better and improve what are the areas that you think obviously you know patchwork and things like that are one thing but what areas of the business side have you looked at and gone we didn't do that well enough yeah. that is now that area of focus going forward yeah so I think we've made a start um, on, on, on the marketing side and we've put some good building blocks in place but there's an, a, an awful lot more that um, we need to do on the marketing side and by marketing I don't mean just me going out and saying roll up roll up I mean it's, it's the much more detailed marketing work in terms of analysing your customer base in this case the fan base understanding patterns of behaviour and then putting in place the the channels to then understand that behavior and try and move towards solving any problems that there might be there and it's a lot of little things that sometimes even the people you're speaking to about they don't realize how important they've become in their mind how easy is it to get in and out of the stadium how easy is it and how cheap is it to get a drink how how are you spoken to by the club how are you marketed to by the club what sort of 
role do we work with the foundation in terms of using the beacon of light on match days? What do we do with the fan zone? How can we make the whole experience into a better family experience so people feel like they can bring other people along? How can we encourage repeat custom from people? How can we improve the in-stadium experience? How can we start to look at going cashless? Can we introduce a loyalty card? There, there, there are just so many different things that we can now get our teeth stuck into now that we've got the basic building blocks in place. We're on a huge program of working in expanding the branch network and strengthening the individual mm. branches um, because I believe that that is the foundation of our of our future, of, of the, 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 the maintenance and the building of the fan base can be through the branches where people who come from the region get together with other people and say, right, this is a social day out. We're all going to get the bus together. We're going to have our own social get-togethers, which Stu and I go along to and speak at, etc. And we get players to get attached to, um, get, also get them attached to the local football clubs. I've done a partnership with Durham FA to enable mm. local football clubs to then become part of the branch network. Um, there's just there's a huge amount of, of stuff to be done, but most of it now is going to be positive stuff, building off a staff framework and an internal framework that is much much better. Round pegs and round holes, people knowing what they're doing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Commercially, um, we, we've improved the situation. We obviously not very hard. We turn up into a business where there wasn't a single person in sales, hmm. so I wouldn't even claim that. I wouldn't make it a great boast that we have improved the commercial performance of the club. We've got a long way to go. We're, we are nowhere near there yet commercially. Do I think as a club that we've understood how to market and sell ourselves commercially off the back of the Netflix series? No, no I don't. I, I think we've got a, a way to go there. Do I think we understand yet how to position ourselves in the sponsorship marketplace? No, I don't. I don't think we're there yet. Are we fully connected with the some of the bigger local northeastern businesses? No, I don't think they're there yet. Is the corporate hospitality experience right yet? No, I don't think we're there yet. There is so much to be done, mm. but we are at least operating now from the basis of a revenue base and a, uh, a status quo that is at least something like what it should be. So much more to be done, but you know the bottom line is we said so we've done almost 20 million quid in revenues this year, which would be a League One record by an awful, 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 awful long way. And if we were to go up to the championship, we'd be looking at being one of the top three clubs in the championship for revenues um, for where we are right now. Now, when we, if when we eventually do get to the championship, we want to be right at the top. So I'm doing the analysis work now on what the other top championship clubs are in terms of their revenue base, where we're falling short and, what, and trying to ask the question, why are we falling short? How are we falling short? How can we get better? I was looking at Leeds' revenues the other day and saw that they, do a, they post a very, very big retail number. Mm. Um, and they've actually got quite 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 a large number of shops but i don't think that's the reason i think it's the their range and i think it's the way in which they time the release of their range i think it's the way in which they sell through their website to their fans i think there are lots of different reasons why leeds are doing a fan have got a fantastic retail business middlesbrough got a fantastic hospitality business again they've taken the hospitality in house they've done it themselves they've built it up themselves in that way like someone used to we got to have a look at that at all these situations as well so there's an awful lot to be done um, there's no point in looking back at the last 12 months giving ourselves a clap on the back and saying well that's alright isn't it there's a lot to be done um, but it's mostly I think going to be positive forward movement rather than having to start a sales operation from scratch start a marketing operation from scratch Just there was just nothing there before so mm-hmm. you know we, we've got a lot to do but it can be done take a red and white army is going to have a lot of uh saying things like the master experience like you mentioned uh, yeah yeah well that they already have done i mean the great advantage of the red and white army is that if i ask a question i get thirteen thousand responses Hmm. so you're not making decisions based off putting your finger in the air and hoping for the best you're pretty clear on what the issues are and sometimes in the um social media environment the twitter sphere the loudest voices are heard the most 
whereas the silent majority vote in these polls. And it's funny how the the results of the Twitter sphere and um, the Roman Army polls are often radically different um, mm. because it's just a lot of people who don't go on to social media all the time shooting their mouth off. But equally, if they are asked their opinion, they'll give you a straight, honest opinion that doesn't involve them having a soapbox. It's just for, for, the, for the common good. So working very hard with the Roman Army. I'm meeting, I met with them last week um, with the leadership. I'm meeting the leadership again this evening um, uh, to discuss the finances in part, but also to discuss the marketing for the year for the year ahead. So we've got a good relationship. It's a critical relationship. Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, Andrew and Dave, who run the Roman Army, will represent very clearly to us as a leadership team what the crit- what the criticisms that fans have of the club. Yeah. Um, but they will be able to filter out some of the the more um, the sort of the less well reasoned ones and really focus on the ones that have a large amount of uh, fans saying them at the same time. So I, I think it, I think the system works really well. Um, they've got a lot of time for Chris Waters and our supporter um, liaison team, our fan engagement team. So there's a respect there in terms of how people speak to each other. It's not about abusing each other and shouting and screaming. It's about saying, well, have you thought of this? A lot of fans are saying this. What's the answer and all that? It's working well, but I think we're all aware that we're at sort of, you know, if we if we need to get to story five, we're sort of, you know, on story two, climbing into story three, we've still got a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, we read off a little bit. So if you want to pull back, because we yep. will get finances. I think yep. that's something that does have to be covered. Um, but I just wanted to kind of, and maybe I'll just ask short, short questions yep. here regarding the recruitment. Um, I, I don't know what they're paid per week, but I would assume we've touched on McGeady, Catmull, Oviedo. Yep. Who do you expect to be able to keep, or can you keep them all in a, if we can keep, we can keep them all. Good. I, I'm not sure we will. Yeah. Um, but we could if but, we have to. From a, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, we, we are in... Um, a very strong financial position as Charlie's touched on we, we, we've had a good year we've put less money into the full club than we thought we would have to um, which is which is great news um, we've got £10 million worth of parachute payments left plus the £20 million that we generate Yeah. Um, I, I would expect us to, to to generate a surplus so um, it, it, if we keep them all it's no issue Um I'm not sure we will keep them all, but if if we need to, there's no issue with that. We wouldn't lose them for financial reasons, basically. Um, no. Well, let's let's be fair. If if um if the players are on forty thousand pound a week, and the average um, if you like, of the league is two two thousand pound a week. Yeah. That is twenty players for one. So yeah. that would give us quite a lot of scope if we lost um the most expensive of them. Yes. Um. So. Um, if you're saying to me if if um if one of them comes along and says look like, you, you know I, I want to leave um you know as long as the detail is right um would would I would I be jumping up and down um saying no they they can't leave or would I turn around and think well that's that's 15 players I could sign yeah um then you know pr- probably the latter um regarding the sort of scouting yes um what's our approach to data and like analytics because just from the outside looking in, it looks like we can be sort of old school if you want, if you want to call it. Like we, I think we've spoke about Tony Corton's contacts. Um, Jack Ross is like kind of, I wouldn't say he's dismissed it, but he's, he doesn't seem too hot on expected goals. This season was a betting thing, but a lot of the sort of highest performing clubs in the league and abroad are like fully embracing the concept and embedding it into the decision making process. Well, so, what's our approach? Um, we kept the analysts because we were told they were good, yeah. Um, before Jack's added to that. The stats that come out 
um, I mean, I'm, I'm into football, but they bore me senseless. We get loads and loads. <laughs> of, you know, we we've let in less goals than anyone else from minute ten to eighteen. Um, so and so's shooting with his left, and you think, oh, okay, all right, I can I can see if a player's tired myself just by watching them. I don't need a report on it. Yeah. So, from from a layman's perspective, to me, there seems to be way way too much data. Have we got a big analytics team? Yes, um, I saw. Um, you know, I was just going through Twitter. I saw Gordon Armstrong mention the comment that we've got one scout. I've just well, I've got that question. Is, uh, is, yeah. is he the only uh, scout? Is that true? That's surely not. One, one scout. Uh, no. <laughs> just wanted to make sure that well, was um, <laughs> accurate. Uh, uh, not accurate. Um, we, well, we, we ripped our scouting back yeah. to, to to the minimum um, because Tony wanted to, to to rip it back, so we kept our, our away scouts. We employed a scout um, on top of Richard who does some scouting there's Tony as well there's another lad down in the in the south there's one in the north for us so I think we're on more than one already um, I said to Tony come January right we need to what, what ideally would you like on the scouting he ideally wanted four more scouts so I said we've got ourselves square the finances are good um, we, we've we've got more of a surplus if the scouting structure should have four more scouts on top of the ones I've already just mentioned go for it so um, that that that's that's more than one. Um, yeah. So I'm pretty amazed that anybody thinks we've ever run with one. Um, I mean, I think we have to have two scouts. We have two scouts for the away team. So we scout. We send, you know, one because we've got games coming there quite thick and fast. We yeah, have one scout go to one away game and one scout go to the you know the other away game yeah. for our up and coming opposition. Um, so uh, we've got two scouts just to scout the opposition. So uh, we got more than one. Um. I think I think just, there's just a, a that, that, things like that I find frustrating if I'm honest because it's not fact because yeah. well, well well when well when we come on to things look I, you know I I got a little bit of abuse after the the Sunday game now fans are upset um, everybody's gutted we all are so I get so I get some comments fair enough Pe- people are absolutely distraught that their football club hasn't gone up and they will lash out and I am the owner that's fair enough. Direct it to me, no problem. But when you've got people saying things such as that, I've, I've had a little bit of a running with another guy who's turned around and said, we've used the majority of the parachute payments. Stated as fact, we've got 10 million out of 11 left. We've used 32 million of the parachute payments to buy the club. No, we bloody well haven't. Um, so that's wrong. I've signed Will Grigg. No, I didn't. Um, I've been looking to sell my entire stake of the club for months. All things reported as fact. Now, they're the things that get me yeah. when people turn round and turn around and say, Stuart's looking to sell. Stuart's used all the parachute money. I have tried to answer for the fans any question that they give me. Whether I'm too open or not is, is, is the issue. Um, so I, I have done that. And then what you get is people making statements as if they know what's going on. That is hugely frustrating because they're putting two and two together and getting five. And some of those people actually message me personally. And to be fair, the, the lad that messaged me, I said, look, I'll get Charlie to, to send you chapter and verse. And then he, and then the very next day he turned around and said, I've heard Stuart's tried to sell the club and it's entire stake and he's wanted out for months. What a load of old tosh. I'm working my bum off to try and make sure I stay here for as long as I can. And you think, oh, oh I'm not going to deal with that. If somebody wants to turn around and say, Stuart, I, I don't agree what you did with the seats. Um, you're just trying to curry favour. I, I, I don't like the way you're running the club. Fair enough. That, that's, that's, if that's what people think, that's fine. But don't say things that um, when you're perceived to be an expert, when you're, if you like, 
an ex-player making a statement that people would think that they trust because you'll you'll have knowledge inside the club, or you're you position yourself as an accountant and knows the facts, and you don't. But then you present them. Now that isn't right. That 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 isn't fair, and that doesn't do the football club any good. And it doesn't actually. Um, you know, I've walked out the grounds and the fans have been perfect with me. They, they've been great. You know, face to face, brilliant. You, you get them on Twitter and then you think, well, I'll come off. But then if I come off, I can't help fans that break down on coaches. Yeah. I can't turn around and, and, and do the bits around the edge, which are really important to me to make sure that everybody gets the best experience they can. So I then come off and don't help people. Well, I don't want to do that. Um, and I don't mind if people want to turn around and say, you know, my daughter looks like she's going to be a problem. My, my girlfriend looks like she's a bloke. Uh, you know, um, th- this, that, and the other. F- say that if you want to say it. That's fine. But don't turn around and say that um, I've used next year's parachute payments because what you're actually doing is questioning my integrity. And that's the one thing that I get passionate about. And that's why I'm suing the Daily Mail because I won't have people turn around and... The the deal we did actually is pretty straightforward. I don't know if I made it sound more complicated than as through the process, but I've always tried to answer it honestly and openly. But what I won't have is people insinuating in effect that I'm a liar or that I'm presenting things a different way to do X, Y and Z. Whether I paid one pound or hundred million pound for the football club, I I'd tell people what it is. Yeah. You know, I haven't tried to hide anything. Lot lots of people could have could have done that. But to turn around and actually, I think, you know, create the impression you know what's going on in a certain area when you haven't got an absolute Scooby-Doo. Um, but people think that you will have. Yeah. If that then questions me being honest, I, I, I'm just not up for that. And yeah. that's, it comes with the territory, but I'll, 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 I'll bite back on that. And we've got... We we do have the finance questions there and yeah that's but, fine. For what you've said I'm yeah. I'm, I'm really yeah. really on board with yeah. with what you just but, said but but um but 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 we can go through them the, sure. the, so you know if we keep it really simple first of all it has to be it's me you doing know the, <laughs> me doing the questions if, if we look at <laughs> th- th- there are a couple of really important points especially around the academy with, with the Daily Mail again mm. because um the 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 first thing is we we took out a short term loan so if, if if we tackle that quickly. We, we wanted this summer to have all the options. So what we wanted to do is just get rid of, if you like, the payments to LS and the charge. And they're, they're, so, so what we did was we advanced, I think it was um, April, May, June and July's parachute payments for this season. Um, and we did that. And then basically the, 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 the bulk of that went to settle off this final um, debt to LS, the, the, the 25, which, which I'll explain a bit more of. But that was a short-term debt. So we have got most of July... The runoff money from the Premier League, which is another million, plus August through to June next year of the Premier League parachute payments to go into the club next year. I haven't spent them. I haven't had them. They're there for the club. So um, to say we've used the bulk of the parachute payments is completely incorrect. We've used a little bit of July um, that is paid back on a very short-term loan, three or four months, um, that enabled us then to have conversations about possibly raising funds on the stadium which I, d- I don't think we'll do but we wanted to have every option available to us in case we we wanted the funds so uh, and, it, and it also accelerated you know Ellis and, and the SBC payments so that was that so have we got the parachute payments yes is our academy in jeopardy um, no I asked the Daily Mail why they said that they said well that's the rumour I said well we've already got cat one status for next season 
also, um, we are having our players poached. And he said, why are you letting all these players go to Liverpool? I said, hold on a minute. I said, you know the rules. We cannot stop it. I said, we're not talking about 17-year-olds we're offering contracts to. We're offering about, we're talking about other lads. I said, these lads now, which is what we've insisted now because we've heard that the players we let go before didn't want to leave. Well, there are two players that will go to Liverpool. We tried to keep them. Um, we said to the parents, if you really want to go, you need to, to put it in writing. The parents have written in and said, "Thanks, we thank you, Sunderland. We want our lads to, to leave and go to Liverpool. We appreciate that you've offered them these terms, which we've offered them, but they want to go. Now, we could turn around and make that awkward, and then what will happen is they'll go in the summer anyway. Or we can talk to Liverpool and try and get sell-ons, which they don't have to give us, um, add-ons, more money than the, the system allows us. Both of those lads because of the relationship we've got with Liverpool, which may see some players coming back in the other direction, we've opted for a good working relationship because these parents want the lads to go and they know that there's interest. So how we, we can't stop it. We've asked them if they would stay and they won't. So they go, we've got more money, we've got sell-ons, we've got add-ons. We wouldn't be entitled to that if we just were, were silly. So we made a commercial decision to try and get the best arrangement. What's happening with that money? A, a large portion of that money, we have said for the first time, we'll go back into the academy to buy uh, 17, 18 to 21 year old talent that, that we can have. And we've got a couple of offers out there at the moment. And I think the lads will, will come and we'll try and strengthen our academy like that. The academy rules have changed. It needs more staff to stay cat one. We're doing that. We've invested more than ever in our academy. Um, so we're doing that and we're guaranteed cat one next year. But we then have potential loss because, of course, what happens is the parents read it in the Daily Mail and they come along and go, well, if you're not going to be a Cat 1 Academy, I want my little Johnny to go and play somewhere else. So that affects us because we then have to deal with, with, with all of that. That's completely wrong. That's gone in the paper. Bless old Connor Bromley. He didn't know... It, it, we barely understood the deal ourselves at some point, and then my bloody Connor <laughs> understanding it. Um, and, he's, and he's got a job with us because he's kept it quiet. What, what, what an insult. So that's rubbish. The academy's rubbish. The parachute payments are rubbish. They then say that we've used thirty-two million pounds of of the parachute money to go, um, if you like, um, to save us writing the check. So, for the very last time, I'm going to go through this deal, and, I'm, and then I'm never going to talk about it again because I'm just fed up with it. Can, can I cover a few yep. questions about recruitment before we move on? Yeah, sorry, go on, specific man. Specific yep. questions yep. regarding finance, and I just yep. I want them to be direct and drive down. Yep. So I promise we'll get to yep. it. Okay. Um, but regarding the um, recruitment, so really quickly, uh, John Park. Yeah. What, what's the situation with that? Is that a um, we, we, th th this will come on to an investment question? Um, okay. Which, which I, I think he he from from what I can gather, and we've got four or five people that express an interest in investing. He I think um, is attached to one of the people that that um, has offered to invest. Right. At the moment, we've seen no proof of funds for anybody. Mm. Um, I haven't signed a heads of terms. Um, I've got options. Um, this is Sunderland Football Club. The world and his wife, as soon as they can, wants to be associated with Sunderland yeah, Football Club. So at the moment, have I have I talked to John Park? No. Do I, do I know much about him? Not really, if I'm honest. Um, so he, he, he's one for another day if I accept one of the offers. Um, Lamine Corney is due back. Uh, 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 no. He, well, yes, he is due back. 
and we we, we we no well I, th- <laughs> I think we've done a deal okay um, so I don't expect him to return okay um and the last one I wanted to sort of cover off before yeah. we follow on to the, the finance stuff which I know people want us to ask um Lyle Taylor um, yes. I just want to read out his, his sort of his comments well, that he made. He said, "I was um, waiting for the handshake from him." <laughs> yeah, he said he went up to Sunderland, met the manager, saw the facilities. It's a hell of a club, and Jack Ross is a hell of a manager, as has been demonstrated this season. Um, but things were said and done by those above the manager. That's why I ended up, and I didn't go there, and that's why I played for Charlton and not Sunderland. At Charlton, the club were clear with everything. Uh, like this is what we're going to do. This is what we want. Um, this is what you want. Here's the deal. If you like it, sign it. If you don't, don't sign it. But at Sunderland, it was wishy-washy. I think we've all read the comments. And I think he's made the um, insinuation that he went shopping for less money based on the fact that he hasn't said the wording, but he's kind of indicated that we were like like penny pinching Mickey right Mouse. Left Mickey Mouse, wow. in a sense, yeah. Well, um, we weren't penny pinching because the yeah. offer I would was more. be yeah, certain yeah, exactly, yeah. was was a lot was a was Mickey a Mouse lot. Would be a better phrase. Yeah, yeah, was a, was a lot more. Yeah, I mean that that's 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 uh, a little bit insulting. If, if that's how Lyle Taylor feels genuinely, that's how he feels. The vibe was when he came up. Um, once we got into the negotiation with his agent, who's the same agent as Chris McGuire, and they came up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, ha- having wandered round, the feedback came straight back and said. Chris McGuire, good attitude, right lad, wants to be here, um, so on and so on, is definitely going to sign. Um, the other lad wants a lot of money. Um, and I said, okay, um, how much? And and we gave him a good offer. Um, and I, Jack is a very clear on his own direction of where he wants to take the football club. We were very clear on the direction um, was our communication poor with Lyle Taylor on that? Well, he's saying it is. Oh, I, my my personal view, I, I'm I'm not really interested in Lyle Taylor if I'm honest. Yeah. I I my view of it is is his family were all from London. He got offered a lot more to be up here, and still chose not to come. And did he not come because he didn't like the people around the manager? One of the reasons not, that he not, gave not in, his, sure uh, that. in his quotes was, and it sort of it reminded me of something he did say on one of the, the first podcasts, yeah. something along the lines of he wanted an extra couple hundred pounds for a particular hotel or something along those lines. And you know, yourself, whoever it was, turned around yeah. and said, well, no one, you can stay here. We're not giving you that extra money. Does that ring true to you? And if so, I mean, what's your thought on that? Um, Is it down I'd, to a couple hundred pounds on a hotel? Well, not if you've offered a few thousand pounds a week more mm. for a player. I mean, just put yourself in 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 the individual's position. He he's turning around and saying that he's he's left somewhere. He he he's not accepted coming to us because we we've offered to pay more money, but we won't cover his hotel bill. Does that does does does, yeah, I, I does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, completely. Yeah, 100%. does that you know we've offered you I don't know two grand a week more than somebody else, but we won't pay two hundred pound. You know, you, you got hundred thousand pound extra in your wages, and but we won't pay two hundred pound on you. Um, I'm sure there will have been a negotiation on on X, Y, and Z. Um, uh, I, I'm, but I don't actually think it got it got very far. If I'm honest, because he came up for the day with Chris. From my recollection, we put an offer to him. And, and I think literally he might have stayed up here for the night and, and that was that um, but in the overall package 
if what he's saying is we've offered him more money but we'd only agreed to put him in a hotel for six weeks instead of eight mm. so we decided that he couldn't sign well what he's actually saying is your offer of X amount of £1,000 a week more minus my hotel bill stopped me signing um, he's, he's ended up at a fantastic football club very close to his home where he doesn't have to commute 200 miles and he's earning less money um, and obviously you know, that that's did go up in the end. So you know, I, I think I think um, yeah, he, he, yeah, he went up, but by, by the by the it, well, he's 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 better off now. If if they got relegated and we went up, um, it'd soon no. be, would be on the other foot, wouldn't it? That, that's football. You pay your money, you take your choice. But um, do you think this summer that's going to have any impact on the way you treat players or discuss with players? Obviously, don't mean treat no. players as in your. Uh, no, I don't think or... what Lyle Taylor thinks about the way we negotiate. Um, do I give two? Oops about to be honest. Um we we offer very good money for this league. Um uh, we treat the players with respect, um, we're fair, we're straight and we're honest. Um and we want people here for the right reasons. And um, you know, Lyle Taylor chose that not to be him. I, 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 you know, um if he's not signed because of a two hundred pound hotel bill on a contract offer of XYZ, then um, he, he's not signed. Um, if I'd have known offering him two hundred pounds in a or whatever it is, uh, whatever the amount is in that deal, um, I suppose what I'm saying to you is: do, do you think do you think we would have lost the deal for that? Hmm. You know, I, look at we want we want the strikers. Look where I went with Charlie White. Look where I went with Will Grigg financially. Do you not think I would have gone somewhere with Lyle Taylor? Yeah, yeah. The, the vibe I got back was. Well, and, and again, you know, Lyle Taylor was saying that's how he feels. How I feel is I was told that, you know, the geography didn't work for him. Um, so moving on to finances. Yep. Um, Which I've covered half of, so yeah, hopefully yeah, we yeah. haven't yeah. got too long on this did one other than the original the, deal. Did you see the look of panic on my face? Um, <laughs> so you've kind of covered the... I'll the, keep it as simple as I can. You're going to have to with me. Um, but... I suppose it's that direct answer is what the, the fans will be looking for because I think that's how we understand it. Yeah. Um, so to kind of ask the first question, I suppose, directly, how much did you or your, your partners pay Ella Short for yeah. his shares in the club? Yeah. So the the, the deal is is very, very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the overall deal, and, it, and it's changed slightly, so we'll, we'll, we'll explain what it was and then why it changed afterwards. Okay. Um, so the deal was £40 million. Pounds. Um, now that was the deal um, 25 million pounds of that was ring fenced out of the parachute payments to go to settle off um, SBC which was a football club debt that had been run up by Ellis or, the bank, or the, bank the, bank, the bank debt the bank debt um, with me or, or Madrox as it is which is which is all of us paying 15 million so the total deal was 40 now um we then agreed to cover the cash flow and in effect that would um, be sort of a the, the view of that was they would be pretty much neutral to the 25 million bank debt because of the, of the whole with regards to um, cash flowing but mainly because of the unpaid transfer fees where we we bought them over time so um, that was the deal, the legal contract um, is that as such so that's what we have to pay now as we got into the detail of the deal, it was clear that the cash flowing um, was going to be worse because there were things like Ndong was down as going to Watford for eight and a half million. 
mm-hmm. because they had an option to take him. And I said, well, are they going to take him? No. Okay. Well, that's another 10 million I'm going to have to find Ellis. So I turned around to Ellis and said, of the 15 that we're giving you straight away, we'll make that five. Now, that's not been hidden. I think the Sun reported it. We made it clear in the in the press releases that we were going to pay for the club in instalments. So we agreed five million um, for that. Um, and that was the deposit. Now, the remaining 10 million we had to pay and the 25 million was all secured against the parachute payments um, in case we didn't pay the 10 million or we didn't send the money on to SBC or, or, or whatever it was. So the whole lot was secured. So there's a, there's a, a schedule that, that shows us all secured. But I agreed to pay the remaining balance in September. So I think where the Daily Mail article has it wrong mm. is they obviously see... The security the, sheet. The, the, well, one, they see the security sheet, but two, what they actually see is that our figures get filed at the end of July. Mm. Well, at the end of July, of course, I've paid five of my 15, mm. and 9.6 has gone through in the parachute payments of the 25. So their automatic assumption, and I know it was because I, I, I spoke to them about it when I told them I was going to sue them, um, was that that 15 was actually me only putting five down and 10, mm. um, you know, I, I didn't bother, I used the parachute payments. And I said, well, that's rubbish. My 10 comes in September. So um, that was the deal. That's why the first two months looked like that. Um, and the reason they've, they've then gone 32 is because they just presume that all I'm, all I'm paying is five. So um, uh, that that's the deal. Um, and so what we've done um, is obviously put money in the club through the period um, to cover the cash flow and, and, and pay it off. But there's 25 million that was ring-fenced. Now, as I say, the idea is over a period of time and, and to give us, um, if you like, time to put the money into the club and X, Y, and Z, Ellis obviously wanted that money all, all settled off as quickly as possible. But we said to him, Look, the reality of it is when when you buy a football deal, these you know you pay for it in installments. All the offers I've actually, funnily enough, had have have been by installments. And whenever I buy business, they're they're they're, they're on installments. But I, but he wanted that all settled off, and done. So I said, well, that's fine. And we worked then in the business plan, and the EFL were happy with it that we would put the money in over a period of time. But what the EFL said to us was, we're well, going to need fifty million over two years. And we said, well, we don't think we will. But there's 50 million that we're we're going to put in on top of, um, if if you like, the deposit we've given to Ellis. So, um, very simply, it was 15 million of our money, 25 million of the parachute payment ring fence to settle off Ellis's debt, with us replacing that money over time, which we're doing, um, as the club needs it. Now, replaced over time as we need it, we have got a business plan and a budget for when that money goes in. Um, now. Um, the reality of it is, of course, we have done well, um, and it hasn't had to go in as quickly. But the argument is, I think, firstly, from a running of the football club, have we not put the money in when needed to run it properly? Well, Jesus, we we, we got a budget that's ten million pounds more than anybody else who's got promoted. Um, when it came to January and I had to put money in for Will Grigg, it went, it, it goes in. When I've had to cover X, Y, and Z, it's gone in. But of course, what the papers have reported is they don't know that money's gone in. And he said to me, well, how much money you put in? And by the way, what are you worth? And I said, none of your business. I said, it will come out when it comes out. In next year's accounts. Yeah, but what I have said, uh, and I said to Charlie, is I think we should let the fans group in, or a fans group in, just to prove, one, 
that the parachute payments that are in the paper as being spent, although they don't say they say there's some left over, but let let's show them that the parachute money is there, so that the club know they're safe, and let's show um, the months where I've put money in, so people can see that. Unfortunately, it has cost me more than five million. Um, now it's still a great deal, and I've never hidden that. We've got in at the bottom end. That's what enabled me to do it. So, but we have always been, and, and this is where the issue is for me with regards to integrity, because um, they um, they question, if you like, what we said. What we said was, we have got to give Ellis forty million pounds. That's what we've got to pay. Now, in this deal, the other thing is, 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 is the guy who, who you know, this, this this Chris who's who's gone about the numbers. He will know as an accountant. When you do a deal, about eighty million of the debt was Ellis's. Ellis was going to send that across to us, so that when we buy the deal, Madrox acquires the debt. So if we wanted to, we could have just put the deposit down, taken the parachute money out, and then given it to Ellis, and no yeah. one would have known. But what that meant was the football club would then owe us yeah. the money. So actually, conversely, what I feel really good about is what I've actually done is turn around and gone, no, I won't do that. We'll wipe the debt off completely for the sake of the football club. But because we got to put the cash flow in over a period of time, what we will actually do is we'll conclude the deal at the 40 million. So we'll commit the 40 million to the football club, but over time. Um, and then what we'll do is we'll put it in to replace the parachute payments as the football club needs it. So actually, there's a double whammy here. I haven't taken the benefit of the debt for the good of the club. And then I've kept an internal debt so that when we put money in, um, it doesn't go in as debt. Um, we commit to the actual purchase price of the forty million. We explain to people that we've had to pay for it in installments, putting a five million pound deposit down, and then uh, fifteen. And Charlie's putting his program notes, and we've said before about the the debt. And then, of course, we've got absolutely royally smashed for it. Not by the fans, may I say, who actually responded absolutely fantastically, because you know lots of them even said, "Well, well done for doing a good deal." Um, now it is a good deal, and we have done a good deal, and we have got into the bottom end, and. If we sold tomorrow, would we make money? Absolutely, yes, we would. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, uh, football aside on the result, there's an awful lot of people and a lot of money out of this football club that haven't actually delivered much. Um, so if we can deliver for people, and if we're the only ones brave enough to have done the deal, and we've tried to explain the deal as honestly as we can, and give people all the information, and we've actually turned a football club that was £150 million in debt, to one that has actually now got zero debt and in fact has got a call on us for more money as it needs it, having put in um, the deposit, then great. And the only thing that's changed in that deal through the process is after about three months when it came to September, we said to Ellis, or I said to Ellis, um, and credit Ellis here, I said to Ellis, that there's, there's a few more things in here than, than I realised and it was a really short time frame to analyse a football club. So I think really... Um, we need to have a conversation and we agreed that about three million pounds should be knocked off so that then if, if you like in simple terms took the deal down from roughly 40 to 37 so when the Daily Mail are reporting it's a 37 million deal and I put in the paper it's 40 and 15 mm. they, they argued with me I even got that wrong and I said no you asked me what the deal was at the time yeah. and at the time it was 40 with 15 um, minus 400 grand that he gave after the event as a contribution to the releasing of a, a staff member that we, we got rid of after we, we came in or a contribution of it 
Um, so it was 39.6. And he said, well, that's what I said. Well, 40, 39.6. Okay. Um, I've misled everyone by 400 grand in a 40 million pound deal. But, um, it, from memory, it was 400 and then, but anyway, anyway. Um, so it then goes down to 37, um, which means the SBC debt's still got to be settled at 25, but then obviously means that my, my bit's 12. Now, um, have I put in more than 12? Well, yeah, because it's needed some cash flow. But but what then happens is, very simply, the SBC debt, the 25 million, passes through Madrox to SBC. So it comes from the football club into Madrox, then out. So, of course, what everybody, uh, 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 I think, saw was that at the end of July, there was 9.6 million passed through, which ultimately would go to 25. But what they were saying is it was 32 because I put no more money in. Yeah. Well, that's absolute bullshit. That's not true. And in fact, the 25 is reducing because we're having to put cash in. We're, we're having to well, yeah. So we're putting cash in. So yeah. so it's never it never reached 25. And my argument was, you know, and he said and and, and the paper they said well it doesn't matter if it's 32 or 25. And I said well it does because what 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 it you know you might think 32 or 25 in modern football doesn't matter. It's not about that. The point is, have I purposely? misled the fans as to what the numbers are and quite genuinely absolutely not um we were clear we pay for it in installments we were clear that the spc debt was there um we were clear about the parachute payments being ring fence for it the deal itself in the in the contract is gone from 40 to 37 whatever it is um uh, the only thing with it is we're putting the money in over time well people knew that and and the argument is well if we'd have slammed it all in now what would we have done differently? Well, how much more money do you want us to spend in League One than what we're spending? The football club isn't suffering because we're putting the money in as we go. And then the argument, are we financially safe? Well, I'll tell you what, 20 million revenue, 10 million parachute payment. Charlie said the running costs are 32. This year, they'll be down to 25. 20, yeah, 26. Yeah. 26. That's a four. That's a four million I, I, I think, profit. I think plus transfers. I, yeah, I, I think that, safe. I think that takes takes us on to where where we need to get to in this. Um, Stuart's just given an absolute blow by blow account of the deal, which frankly, ninety nine football club owners out of hundred would never go into the detail of how they actually made a transaction in the first place. And I think that's where some of the underlying resentment occurs on our board, which is with the vast majority of football club takeovers. When at the opening press conference, they're asked how's this all gone about. Basically, the answer is mind your own business as a private transaction. There's no reason for you to know. In this particular case, we did open up and explain how, how it happened because we wanted to be transparent from the start. And effectively, that's been used against us by people from without the club and a few ill wishes from within the club, which is sad. Um, the, the, the thing that will be most interesting, I think, to most true supporters is the state of the club before we took over and the state of the club now. Because actually, when you become a custodian of the club, you should be judged on the difference you've made to where it was before to where it is later on so if you look at the club um, a week before we took over um, £160 million of debt to Ellis Short and to an, Amer- an aggressive American money lender who was charging around £8 million a year interest to the club um, and then a further £30 million of football trade debts to clubs on previous transfers legal cases obviously the Alvarez into Milan cases etc 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 so the club overall £190 million in debt with probably net assets of around £100 million it was insolvent bust gone the only thing that was keeping it alive was an American guy in Florida saying putting a signature on the bottom of the paper saying I'm willing to somehow keep this dead mm. carcass on, 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 a, on life support that, that was all that was saving it from bankruptcy it was an insolvent business so 
any narrative that involves somehow the poor old football club being done out of something is absolute garbage. The football club owed £190 million. £190 million. So when people talk about the parachute payments, let's just go back to what parachute payments are actually supposed to be used for. What parachute payments are supposed to be used for is to help clubs who have been relegated from the Premier League to sort out their indebtedness to stop them going bust. That is the point of the parachute payment. I think people seem to have forgotten that. So effectively what's happened is is that three entities have seen Sunderland's financial ship right itself from utter despair and bankruptcy and insolvency to being probably the club in the healthiest financial position in the whole English Football League right now. The first person was Ellis Short. Ellis Short decided, I'm going to carry on writing my name on the bottom of that piece of paper, number one. Number two, when it does come to sell, I'm going to write off the debt to myself. I'm not going to hang that over the club. I'm not going to charge interest on it. I'm not going to try and call it in and then realise the assets, set off the training ground, set off the uh, stadium, etc., etc. All of these things he could do, and he chose not to. So Ellis is the first person who made, who had a signal impact on that situation. The second impact on that situation was the paying off of the aggressive bank debt to SBC, which had to happen because SBC were not going to lend to a League One club. No one lends to League One clubs. It's just it's not even in their mandates to do that kind of thing. So the parachute payments and Ellis Short himself cleared the SBC debt. This is what parachute payments are intended for. So the SBC debt was around £80 million. Ellis himself didn't write off. He paid off with his own cash. He paid 55 million quid and 25 million quid of the club's parachute payments went to complete that that transaction. Sunderland Football Club is unbelievably fortunate that it then had future parachute payments over and above the clearing off of all of its debts, which weren't then having to go off to pay off all its debts. Now, the third person who helped clear up the situation was Stuart, because Stuart came in and said, actually, I'm willing to fund the, the ongoing losses of the club so that those parachute payments can go to helping Ellis pay off SBC. Because it wasn't going to be enough simply to clear the debts. The club was still losing a shit ton of money as well at the same time. So if the parachute payments were going to pay off SBC, they couldn't be paying off the Alvarez debt. They couldn't be paying off the Barini transfer. They couldn't be paying off the Casri transfer. So Stuart had to cover off those things instead. Between those three entities, Ellis Short, the parachute payments and Stuart, the club went from losing £25 million a year and being £190 million in debt to, as of today, being debt-free. In fact, even owed a bit of money. It's phantom, but nonetheless, it is owed money by, by Madrox to being debt-free and, as from August, break-even or even profitable. When we went to see the EFL for the first time, the EFL said to us, this club is in a hell of a state. You need to show us you've got £50 million in cash to run it. £50 million in cash to run it. Bear in mind, most Premier League clubs, maybe if their owners are being ambitious, they might put in 10 or 15 a year, something like that. We were told, it's £50 million, guys. This club is in such a state, you need to show us you've got £50 million cash to run that club. A year later, at the playoff final, <laughs> we shake hands with Sean Harvey and Nick Craig, and they said, we, we just never thought you could pull that off. We never thought you could turn that club around like that. You, yeah you guys have done a great deal for yourselves, but only by doing an amazing thing by the football club. Now, we're not asking for rounds of applause for it. We're not asking for people to say, well done, well done. What we are thinking, hopefully, is that the fans will look at the state of their club in a financial state now and go, 
my good boy, that that's that's this is Lazarus. We've gone from being in the worst financial state in the English Football League to the best financial state in the English Football League, and we've now got a solid foundation by which anyone who now comes in and puts money in isn't putting money into black holes, isn't putting money into historic debts which you know have been run up over. From now on, the people that we're speaking to about potentially putting money in, the reason why we've got a queue at our door of people who want to put money into the club is because they know that any money they put into the club is going to get put into progress and moving the thing upwards. And we're really proud of that. If it, We've already spoken earlier on about what we're not proud of. We've already yeah. said that we there are bits of, you know, obviously the, the league situation, the football situation, we're actually embarrassed by. But the financial situation, we're as a board we are we are proud of where we've got this club to and I just hope that the fans can see past the noises off and some of the ill wishes both outside and one or two inside the fan base and see that their club for the first time in a generation is in a really good financial position yeah or, or the, the only thing I, I would say is although the league said show me 50 million I never thought I'd have to spend it no. and and, and I, I, <laughs> I was at a level of 20 but to be fair we have we, we had a business plan to to obviously replace um the monies um because we thought we would n- I thought we would need 20 odd million probably in 2 years um now 3 months ago it was looking like we might need 8 or 9 million for next season well St Etienne finished fourth that's worth a million to us for Kazri um we've got a transfer fee there's some more premier league wash up money all of a sudden actually it doesn't look like we we would need to even if we want a, a top budget need to put any money until next June don't need to there might be things we want to do we got the money there we we, we, we are in a cracking position um, and um, financially um, re- re- really good position it's been hard work we've had a lot of luck and we, we, we've had some good things go on um, but this football club is in, in really good financial shape for where we are now what we don't want to do is not maximise that by not thinking forward about where we might need to be in two years time because I have got a little bit spooked when I look at Derby and someone says to me the bloke's put 200 million in mm. and I'm thinking alright well you know the, the league told me 50 I think 20 200 million to have a go at the Premier League is a bit whatever and and, and, and and that fills you with panic and and also you know when, when you look at the fans and we talk about Will Grigg in January I mean I wasn't very popular at half past 10 on that night and I wasn't very popular when uh, we couldn't go up automatically uh, when, when we when we didn't beat Portsmouth or whichever game it was. I can't remember now. Um, it all blurs into one Peterborough, I think, or whatever killer game it was. Um, and then you, you have the same in the playoff final. And you know, um, it has dawned on me that um, you know I, I have a a plan for the football club over a period of time to invest sensibly, um, as I see it. But there, there does, there, there is a bit of a clamour to to throw money and throw money and throw money, and you know if if the vibe is I'm not doing that, um, because I was trying to sign as a striker in January and I could have done it or I could not, but it didn't mean I was trying any less hard if I didn't, and it didn't mean I wasn't doing my best. It just wouldn't have worked. But you know I I don't particularly fancy um, being smashed left, right, and centre by everybody for not for not quite um, delivering. So you know there is a bit of apprehension on my part about being the chairman and the guy out the front um, in such a big club with such big um, and quite rightly 
um, expectations. The, 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 the fans should have that. But I've never I've never pretended that I'm an all shake, and I've never turned around and said, you know, I'm going to spend 250 million quid on the club. Um, I would love to be in a position to do that, um, but I can't, and it doesn't always work anyway. Um, but I've tried to be straight with where it is, and I'm planning. But let let's be clear. As Charlie says, the football club wasn't in the greatest condition. Well, that, that, that's gone. The, the, you know, the indongs and jillabodges and the state of the football club, that's gone, right? We're now moving forward. We've got to build on what we've started. Um, and um, financially, we are good. We are debt-free. The owner has bought in cheap. The advantage of that means that I haven't got to get top dollar if I leave because mm. I, I, I haven't, you, you know, I haven't got to make the world's most amount of money out of Sunderland. But would I make money? Yes, I would. And to be fair... Um, I don't think anybody would begrudge me that if I've if I've wiped up 190 quid million quid's worth of debt for for everybody, um, stabilise the club, got it investable, and get the right people, and that's great. But I don't actually want to leave. You know, I want to stay and and, and I want to be here as long as I can because, as much as anything as anyone will tell you as, as you all are, the club's got me, because you just can't enjoy football more than. Uh, anywhere else on the, I don't particularly enjoy the home games I just live for the away games I'll get to every away game um, you know because be, being being, <laughs> be, being with the being with the fans is 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 a money can't buy experience yeah if you're going well and and, and I've had that and I want to keep that and I want to make the club successful um, but we are you know when I read things that say you know we, we spent the parachute payments and, and you know this stuff saying we're financially stable isn't true it bloody well is. We are in cracking shape. So, um, you know, that's where we are. If people haven't quite got the deal in their head or this and the other, I mean, I've tried to be as open with it as I can. There's probably too much information in, in some ways in this and the other. But, you know, um, it is what it is. And that's and that's where it is. And I hope people understand that, you know, we've always said it was instalments. We've always said that the parachutes were ring fence. We've always said the deal was 40 million. And we have a net mechanism to put the money in the club as it needs it. And I think the argument would be if we turn around and paid five million or even fifteen million at this stage, which which you know we, we've we've held a past end of the bargain, and then you turn around and go, well, actually, you haven't spent any money on the club, you haven't covered the cash flow, you haven't paid the players' wages, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. No, no one can say that of us. We've met every bill, um, we've answered every question, um, and we funded the club to the extent that you would expect us to fund it to give us the best chance of promotion so so I think criticize us for lots of things yeah but 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 on, on the finances and being open that 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 doesn't feel fair if you're at a position now where the, you are ready for investment and obviously yeah Sky cameras caught you sitting next to a few notable names in there at Wembley on Sunday. They say that I was sat uh, next to Juan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was, that was who, a real strange one. That, we have, but, that was um, a real strange yeah. one. It's, it's you know, it's, it's I funny. Do they on about? Yeah, I, that that wasn't the case. I mean, at Wembley, it was very much about the clubs it is now. Um, there, there were no uh, potential investors other than Juan. There were no potential investors in the roll box with us. We, it was us and our families. Hmm. Um, but four or five of the people that have expressed an interest in investing in the club said, could we come along to the game and have tickets? And we said, yeah, well, well you, you, you know, um, uh, not the detriment of the other fans because we didn't sell all the tickets, to be fair. But, um, you know, so so that they, they've gone into other areas of the ground to have a, have a look at a club that they want to get involved in. So how yeah. near the mark were the reports? How many what, sorry? sorry? How near the mark were the reports that you have actually sold the club? Sorry, how uh, none. How near the mark were the... Oh, right, OK, sorry. They're no, off the mark. We haven't no, sold the club. It's, it's just untrue. So... I've, 
this is this is a really simple one yep. to answer because we've been absolutely consistent throughout. Stuart said in his very first podcast last summer, he said, "I never want to be in a position." Whereas a board, we're not able to meet the aspirations of the supporters for financial reasons. I just don't want to be there. We've seen it happen at other clubs. It's a horrible situation to be in where the owner's sat there like a sort of sitting tenant and everyone's shouting at him to get out and he's hanging on there for dear life because he likes being the chairman of a football club or whatever it might be. So just, just, that, That's fine, yeah. But do, let's just be clear. We're not at that position now. No, not we, at all. We, we can fund the football club. No. Um, that wasn't to, what I was to, about to say. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but, but just, yeah. But no, but just to be clear to no, make absolutely. the point. So we said that right from the start. To make sure you're never in that position, the first thing you've got to do is make the club investable. Um, there was another classic um, piece of uh, rubbish, that I'll be polite, and it said something like, I don't know why these guys w- were let in, there were lots of other people willing to do it. Absolute rubbish, and you can check it with Ellis Short. Ellis had spoken to 16 different groups, all of whom had come in and had taken a look, and in some cases a long look, and had gone, we can't make it work. One or two has said, we can't make it work unless you give it us for free. We then leverage the stadium and we take all the parachute payments and we take all your debt off you as well. And Ed has quite rightly said to those people, well, thanks a lot, guys, but that's that's not that's not good for the club. That's not right. We were the only people, and this was very, very late in the day, who were willing to give him money, any money at all, and then also have the money to put in the club without leveraging the stadium or taking debt off him. The club was not investable. That is why the Football League said to Stuart, we need to see £50 million, because they couldn't believe or understand how anyone wouldn't just want to take it into administration because that would be the only way to sort it out. So the first thing you've got to do is make the club investable. And that's investable for ourselves as well, because even if you're having the conversation with Juan, he doesn't want to put stick money into black holes either. So you had to get the club to be investable on the one hand. On the other hand, when people do come and see you, you have to make an assessment. If this... If we were in a situation where we decided, having made the club investable, we would like to have a bit more cash, is this kind of person the kind of person we can work alongside? Now, if you if you only start those conversations when you get to the point at which you've decided that you might need some more money, those conversations are often three, six, nine-month conversations. Mm. You have to get to know the person. You have to get comfortable with what their aims and ambitions are. You have to get comfortable they actually do have the money. You have to get comfortable they're people that you could work alongside and wouldn't totally revolutionise everything that's going on at the club or be a problem in the boardroom. There are all sorts of things you have to get comfortable with. So we said back in January, February, we are having conversations with potential investors. And that was true at the time, and it has been true since. There wasn't any point in having those conversations back last September because any investor we invited in would have said the same as everyone else said before. This is too many black holes, what you, what you asked me to do. Once we got it straight, we started to have those conversations. Have we sold the club? No. Have we agreed even the terms for an investment? No. That's the truth of the situation. There's there's no other way around to put that. We've had conversations and people have come up with suggestions and proposals and offers and we have not got even as far as signing a heads of terms agreement with anyone. But there is a good queue at the door of people who would like to be involved with Sunderland Football mm. Club. And that, again, is something to be happy about, not unhappy about. Even if we turn it all down, it's still good. I yeah. think... I think it was reported. I think the club was losing like was it like five hundred thousand pounds per week or something along that line. Yeah, at least I would think. That's yeah, about right. That's about yeah, right. Yeah. I think you've kind of covered it, but yeah. correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. I've maybe misunderstood it. Um, but is there? A, can you give me an indication of what the the pre-transfer trading losses would be? Are we are we all right? 
what uh, ne- next season pre-transfer period? I, I reckon. Is this the season we're just completing, or for next season? Yeah, for next season. I, uh, I reckon we like make. A, I reckon we make. Sure a, you know that. I reckon yeah. we make a hundred grand a week moving forward. Okay. Unless we spend it. So, <laughs> so loss is necessarily not going to be there. There's no. Oh, there, there won't be a loss. No, not a chance. Will there be a loss? Now, the interesting question: if we're just going to get into the nitty gritty of that, unless unless we pay five million pounds for a player this yeah <laughs> stop it stop it Donald. Sorry. stop it <laughs> the interesting question on that one the one which i'm really very very focused on is let's say you've got costs of 27 million and you've got basic operating revenue of 20 million and you've then got a 10 million pound parachute payment that 10 million pound parachute payment means that for that year you're going to make a profit of three million which then you can spend, as Stu says, on investing in the academy, on the odd player, etc., etc. But at the same time, you've got to be thinking in the back of your mind, yeah, but what about next season when we don't have that parachute payment? We need to increase those revenues and keep those costs coming down so that even once the parachute payments have finally gone, that we're still a sustainable club. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And I, when I said earlier on about the sponsorship and the marketing and the hospitality and all this type of stuff, we've got to keep driving those revenue upwards, 2021, 22. And we've got to keep the cost coming down, 27, 26, 25. Now, there are some big ticket items in there. In a year and a half, our business rates will be very substantially reduced, which will be a huge help. Um, we've been working very hard on our policing bill. Not entirely successfully yet, but partially successfully. Um, we've got, obviously, players who are very, very well paid, who ultimately, at some point, by the time the parachute payments finish, will either still be with us on a different contract or will have left the club in in different ways so there there are reasons why that cost base will keep coming down but we've got to make sure the revenues keep increasing as well so there's a lot of work to be done but in for the next year the 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 basic simple thing is that next season we will probably have a five million pound surplus after that i think is a five million pound loss loss exactly and i think that's about that's about where we are Mm. promotion is probably worth circa 10 million in revenue, yes. In revenue, yeah. so um, you then go into championship if you have the same cost base with a three or four million pound surplus. But obviously, you'd be paying a higher wage, mm. playing wage bill, so that would then yeah. go up. You then have to make a judgment call about how much of a loss you are willing to make to really compete and, at the top end, and that's. You know, and this is our biggest issue. Yeah, our biggest issue is thinking long term. We know we know we're all right now. We know we're all right next season because yeah. we're going to have a surplus. We could then use it. We've also haven't spent as much money on the club as what we thought we would so we've we've, we've got yeah. some money we can play with as well that's fine when when I sit there and somebody talks to me about the, the championship playoffs and says every team in there has lost at least £20 million pounds this year I don't know if that's right but I sit there and I think gee, gee whiz blimey um, uh, you know that, that that's all the money I've got left to put in mm, in, in one mm. in and if I don't get there I've, I've, I've put it in and, and we're no further forward Ooh, I need a longer term plan than that for everybody yeah. um, now I think and, and you come back to the manager and, and everything else I think if if we could do a, a, a Sheffield United if we could have a, a Jack Ross follow that that Chris Wilder path etc etc uh, and we don't spend too much and then we get in the model where some of the Premier League clubs don't lose money and we run ourselves well and we spend our money well we could do this on our own the problem we've got is we can't make many mistakes and if we make them uh, and then the the money goes dry all of a sudden actually our investment goes down our desperation to do a deal goes up uh, and then you're tempted to get the wrong person in mm. so we have got I, I have had lots of people come on to me I'll show you my phone right now mm. I've got someone come on to me said that settled by the club he, he asked me six weeks ago he's chasing me this morning I haven't gone back to him because 
it, it's not right for the club. Um, I don't want to sell it in this entirety, and I don't think anybody that's approached and said will buy the club. We we aren't getting um, people. I think that you know they're, they're just saying we'll go on a journey, we'll do this. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, well, we're going to employ some people. You're going to move the area? No. You're going to. That, that's no good for the club. Would be my judgment. So they haven't come along and offered anything. I think that Sunderland need. Um, some people who've come off along and offered investment. Mm. Um, it's on the wrong basis and there's a couple of people that have offered investment but want a lot of control and I'm sort of saying well you know can I keep a bit more could we do this could we do this? and we're having those conversations mm. um, and there are two I think serious options where I think people will be good for the club mm. um, and but can we get the right deal for everybody um, and what I mean by that is not a deal where I just go Oh, I just want to stay, so I'm going to be detrimental to the club. One that I think that can build on what what I what I feel we've done, um, and that's what we're looking at. Um, will something happen over the summer? Possibly. Um, by the same token, by not winning, I also don't want my ego to get in the way because I, I I think to myself, oh God, if I could just get the club up. Mm. Um, so I'm thinking, well, next season I'll do it because I know we've got. a you know, uh, it's it's a uh, it's a year where I'm really confident we can have a go, and and there's no real sort of cash drain anyway, and blah, 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 I can have it. But is it right just for me to 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 ignore some people that might be quite decent for us in the long term, just so that I can go? I've got Sunderland in the championship. Yeah. I might have to accept that yeah. I haven't quite delivered on the pitch, and 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 be accepting that actually, whilst it's less glamorous, not sexy, people will forget it. Um, I've delivered off the pitch and it, and it's you know I've sat there and thought to myself I could be the chairman of Sunderland Football Club for the history of it providing the worst ever league result but the best ever financial result and people mm. will I'll always be looked at at that but that's like a an ego personal thing and I can't sort of jeopardise the club for that so there is a lot to discuss and think about over mm. the coming weeks but we've planned on the team we're, we're going to um, go with the manager and, and debrief properly um and and then we've just got to have a look at the investment we're doing it off off the back of a very very sound financial football club um regarding the the, the losses last year that we just spoke about just going back to the, the question i asked previous um can i ask you sort of like uh, how those losses were funded were they i mean we talked about we're not, we haven't got any losses at the moment but was it were they, they were funded by so if yourself outside finance because I think Sports Mill quoted us something like a five million lot. just to go back to that a little bit yeah, everyone's favourite newspaper there Is for a second five million loss? Yeah. Uh, they, they mentioned it was a five million loan to meet running costs it was, oh no 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 they're, they're, talk, they're talking about uh, oh what from me you mean uh, yes yeah, yeah no no the, 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 the money that I've put in um, Angela the, the finance lady bless her she, she's booked as loan it's not it's not a loan it's just got reversed off it's, it's, it's equity right. as part of the deal okay. there's no loan right. the, 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 the loan actually is conversely the other way it, it's it's a madrox into the football club where we've used the parachute payments that we're replacing so um, the football club has got no loans save this short term loan on close which will go by July um, which was just as I say to, to finish off getting Ellis done and give us options that we probably actually won't take so we in hindsight didn't need to do it but mm. um, but we've done it and it's there so um, if you like what as I say the only the only finance we've arranged is through close for April, May, June and July's parachute payments to be received in April um, and we've had those 
um, and then obviously they write themselves by by July, and that'll just that'll just go. Obviously they've had April, they've had May. I think June and July might come in together, so it might even be done in June, and so that's it. And then that leaves us all of next year, um, and on top of that, the, the club were projecting that I would need to, if we were going to have the biggest budget in the league, which we think um, is going to be a certain figure, and which is substantially more than anybody else, pre transfers in or out. Um, I think the view was that I would have to put in another six million, possibly plus Alvarez, um, but um, with Kazri, potentially Lamine, some extra money from the Premier League. Potentially Mignolet. Um, uh, well, that's done now, I think. Um, Mignolet. Well, we had a we had a Champions League thing with Liverpool, but um, it expired last year. If they won the Champions League, we got we got some extra. Money. <sighs> Um, um, but there's those there's, there's the um, obviously getting to the playoff final etc that has meant that actually the cash requirement those things that have come in has, has pretty much been neutralised okay so um, you know the, the ins on the transfers match the outs there's no there's no anything else the last couple of legacy transfers are out in August so we're 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 done um, if the club needs some money it will be because we've decided to um, spend something on something um, and, and, and we'll put it in but um, the reality of it is we should have a cash surplus so just to kind of cover off I'll hand over to Chris I've got a yep. few sort of Twitter questions I think we've oh, got a lot of stuff go on, on this, go yeah. on <laughs> but, uh, we'll just rattle through them because obviously yeah, just rattle, yeah. just rattle loads of people yeah. got in touch um, a lot of questions are very sort of similar ones a lot of them you were probably covered and just yeah. need a, a quick yeah. sort of everything uh, to I mean in terms of recruitment what will change next season to make up for the shortcomings that we had this season this time around what do you see yourselves doing differently um, i.e. in terms of obviously well, personnel themselves yeah well we've already looked and scouted a lot of the players mm-hmm. with our one scout bless us um, so, <laughs> so um, we, we've already got targets so we're, we're miles ahead of the game time wise even though we were in the playoffs in comparison to last year so um, I think we have a clear idea of where, where we're going on that do you agree that next season automatic promotion is the only acceptable outcome yes. for this club? Go on then, Charlie. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so a couple of sort of tactical ones around like um, being on the front foot. I mean, personally, as a fan watching it, did times did you find it frustrating seeing us sit back yourselves, or have you always had a lot more belief and think right, it's part of the master plan? We'll let Jack Ross handle that. Or do you get that bit between your teeth where you're, you're on the well, terraces? Well, I sit in with the fans at away games. I think they'll tell you what I'm like. I'm, I'm the <laughs> yeah, same. I'm the same as everybody else. The, the bottom line is, is that since since it's all going to come out on Netflix anyway, they'll see me d- tearing what remains of my hair out at exactly the same moment. So yes, <laughs> we, we shout at the ref. We tell. Uh, Lee Catamull to push on we tell yeah. Baldwin to clear it at the wrong time yeah. we tell someone to come for a cross we have a moan because someone can't score from three yards I mean yeah. same you know, thing but, same. but overall um, yes yeah yeah yeah. good <laughs> just having a quick look through again obviously high earners are a big one you've you've said that you were happy to keep the high earners no no no, needed, no, but... no, no, well, no 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 sorry let's just we can keep them you can if you need Stuart to what said was that financially we are not under a compulsion to sell them just to balance books. However, if you want to remodel that squad to make sure that you get full value for the money you're spending on that squad, then, as Stuart said quite clearly, when a high earner moves out, you can then go and recruit five top yep. League One players and still save money. So, Are we actively QED? looking for suitors for the high owners or are we just going to let them come to us so we 
is there an active policy to get rid of some of them? Um, well, we're we're, all, we're always working, so um, uh, you know, um, we'll, we'll we'll have to sit down with them as well and see what their desires are because there is there is no point trying to move. You know, if you're if you're talking about Oviedo, for example, um, if 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 Brian Oviedo wanted to stay, regardless of whether we want him to move or not, it, we're just wasting our time, aren't we? So you, you know, now the season is done and dusted, the high earners may have a different view of where they want to be um, because we're in League One or the Championship. So mm. we'll have a conversation with them, and then um, uh, you know, once we've done that, we'll we'll know where we're going. So w- without really dodging the question one would say there's no point trying to move any player on if he wants to stay talking about high earners yep does Lee Catmull get his testimonial or what oh, I think Lee Catmull should get his testimonial yes um, can uh, I be against those Portsmouth fans it's <laughs> 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 him versus those yeah, five yeah <laughs> uh, well they'll need a few more than that I think the way he was going on um, <laughs> I, I think I think he deserves it I, I, yeah, I have to say you know we, we had a conversation this time last year um about Lee when when we first came in regarding his agent and, and you, you know um, the, the 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 bottom line is from 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 the moment I've met him mm. and um, see, seen him around the place uh, you you can't bother a penny that the, the the boy owns his, his contract is his contract everyone ma- makes a lot of it. It, it it is expensive for the club but my my God does the boy care about the club and try yeah. um, and he's done that continually for loads of seasons and I, I'm not quite sure what the rules around a testimonial are but I think we had one game planned here um, for the summer and I did wonder if we should hijack that for his testimonial but I haven't had that conversation but I think he's fully deserving of one and, and he should definitely have one and we should as a football club make sure that happens and he's had a great season as well got one fairly direct one um, yep. are you going to sign Tom Eves on a, on a free do you want him is it part of the, the scouting board oh um uh if I was going to sign him, I wouldn't alert you to it now. Try and be as open as we can, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I might have been too open in the past, to be fair. That's an interesting one as well, because obviously a lot of people say about you, your presence on Twitter, the way you respond to things. Yeah. Obviously, these podcasts are a big part of it. Yep. Next season, are you going to be a little more quiet about things on the club front or um, maybe change it slightly? What, what's your own personal approach going to be? Um, if, a, if a fan asks me a question that I can answer, that is about their football club then I should answer it as long as it doesn't um, you know uh, compromise anything um, And I, but but I think it will naturally hopefully be a little bit quieter But, but because I, I think I've got to know the fans better they've got to know me so hopefully there'll be um, despite a few of these things that you read in the paper <laughs> a, a decent level of trust there and there are less things really to discuss I, I, I try and use Twitter for two things which means I have to accept that I have to look at it for all the wrong things but the two things are one is trying to help fans if they have you know a desire for a signed shirt or somebody's not very well or that they'd like a, a, a pop-in visit or whatever and also you know like, like has happened you know if, if, if they break down or they're struggling to get the games or whatever I think that's useful and the other thing is there's always going to be rumours. There's always going to be this. As you know, it's Sunderland Football Club, but some of the rumours are unhelpful. Um, they can build up a head of steam, and they become damaging. And um, if I can stop those by a direct comment quickly, I, I think that's useful. Um, 
and they're the things really I, I need to focus on Twitter on um, mm. but it's quite difficult sometimes to to get to those posts when you get hundreds yeah. of them telling you the same thing you know I think with regards to the player comments as well going back to some of the earlier podcasts do you think it did actually hinder your ability to operate in the transfer market and to no. approach agents at all no no I don't think it hindered anything we're a League One football club and we're Sunderland that's what hindered it but, well no 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 that, that that's the thing that you, you know everybody wants should want to come and play for Sunderland mm. apart from obviously Lyle Taylor but um, you, you, you know um, no I, I think um, you know and, and uh, no, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't turn around and, um, you know, give, give you a list of six players we're going to go and sign and alert you to. That would, that would be stupid. But um, I'll probably let one or two things in the excitement last season come out too quickly. But I'll, I'll, I'll learn from that. Um, you know, we're, we're all the same as human beings. We're, all, we're all learning what we're doing. Um, what, what you want to see is that. Um, W- w- the people in your football club learn quicker than uh, the average don't you so I might be a little bit more careful I suppose <laughs> so just to kind of end on a positive then because uh, <laughs> I, w- I want to end on a positive because you know and I mean it may be, maybe it's too raw to be saying it and I think we all still feel the emotions of Sunday from myself to Chris to, to Charlie to yourself um, but it, I've enjoyed this season more than I've enjoyed a lot of the seasons prior I've, I've got my teeth into it like I, I, I've, I've cared more than I ever have yeah. so makes not going at worse doesn't it yeah, yeah. a little bit yeah it, it does mm. but you know I, there's, there's players on that pitch that I, I care about I can't say that last season to be honest um, <laughs> but what's been your most uh, to both of you what's been your single most enjoyable moment of the entire season what's got Sunderland under your skin because oh. it has hasn't it oh god yeah um I've I've got a few, um, and they're all at the games. Yeah, um, with the goals, Warsaw in the last minute because when they when they at all when they scored their second goal, that lad came up and Generally. did what all lads shouldn't do, and it winds you up and it. They had to come and celebrate, and he was right in front of my face as a fan, and I saw all the fans around me react, and I thought, well, you know, like everyone else. And then we had him, didn't we? Right at the end, it was George's celebration um, in front of his yeah. face. Brilliant. Um, and Luke, Luke, um, his rugby tackle. Luke, Luke, Luke's <laughs> tackle. That was that was a that was a cracking away day. Oh, I really enjoyed that. That was that was great. Gucci's goal right at the start of the season was great. Um, it's it's all about those goals, you know. Bristol Rovers away um, when um, we got the second goal, and I thought Morgan. we're going to Wembley. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're, they're all, it, it, you know, if you own a football club and you're into football and you spend money and you work hard and your team scores, mm. and you celebrate it with a group of people that are just mad about their club. It's 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 the best feeling. So it's all about um, scoring, um, especially away from home. What about you, Charlie? Yeah, I'd like sure. I'd, obviously, there's some memorable moments on the playing side. I think if you were to ask what's got Sunderland under my skin, I'd say more. Um, quite a few of the people I've met um, and the being in a pub. A lot of people say that you know football fans in the North East are more passionate they are in the rest of the country I don't think that's quite right because I don't think you'll find more passionate football fans than me and Stuart the difference is in our part of the country we're in the minority whereas in this part of the country we're part of the majority and that has been such fun to spend a year 
with a bunch of other football fanatics and that in a way is what's got Sunderland under my skin together with just you know the sense of humour of the place the liveness of the place just the amount of really straightforward decent emotional people I've met who just tell you exactly how they're feeling um, and a lot of people when they say oh, I, 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 say it, I say it how I see it they use that as a frame for I just criticise people all the time what I found up here is the amount of people who are willing to say nice things to you the amount of people who are willing to say positive things and um, and I've had to say probably 100, 200, 300, 400, 500 times a season that please don't thank us but yeah, as of yet we have not done this um, and you know we should be thanking you as much, as much if not more than we should than you should be thanking us it's a team effort and we're heading in the right direction but it's just those genuine decent upbeat positive happy mm. people of which there are so many in this city that but, have, but that is the worst thing yeah it is yeah because because yeah. Yeah, actually yeah. The, the fans have done everything we've asked of them and more yeah and we haven't delivered from yeah uh, and yeah. and that's emotionally difficult to take and crushing because I've had fans through the season come up to me saying that they put big bets on. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I see it in them. There's there's a lovely couple that I think are on the Netflix. I've forgotten their name for the minute. And I saw them down at the front of the pitch and, and the girls, bless her, she's crying her eye out. And, you know, and you think, oh, you know, um, you've you've let them down. And that's, um, that, that's heartbreaking, really. Yeah. What's is. your message then? Season two go again so what's your message to the fans for what points. this season's going to be 100 points win the league <laughs> well yeah you, well, you want to avoid all the cliches don't you I mean yeah. uh, the, the, the bottom line is we haven't quite got it right but we've we've made we've made a lot of progress um, and we've you know we, we, we've turned quite a lot around um, and all, all, all I think we can promise is is we we understand how important it is for everybody to have a a vibrant um you know inclusive football club um that that is successful and whether that is you know completely us on our own or or with us getting investment or what what whatever roles we have in the future um we, we aren't we aren't going to sell the club down the river um we aren't going to sort of um not invest in the team we're not going to sort of, um, you know, uh, go on holiday for for six weeks and not not work hard through the summer. Um, we will give our very very best uh, for the football club, and that's 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 all we can say. Stuart, Charlie, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. No worries. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.